This month's WolfNet Radio podcast is proudly supported by Ares Games and Miniatures. AriesGamesAndMinis.com To all units, proceed to your post assignment. All units, proceed to your post assignment. Thumper battery. Small and versatile enough to be mounted on both vehicles and mechs. Thumper's artillery's extended range makes up for its lack of brute force. All the inner spheres artillery, 3049. You're listening to Wolfnet Radio, the show that hangs around while you're calling for fire. I'll be your host this evening, Matthew Hodgepodge Deck, Bloodbath Barons. Our co-host tonight, as always, Andrew, submit your list, Minnow Krull. Good evening, everyone. And Aaron, I have a plan. Coach Crawl. Well, that doesn't sound like something I would say. <laughs> Sounds like something you'd say. Just <laughs> oh, yeah. maybe not do. Not follow up with. <laughs> the execution's a little rough. Yeah, but anyways, also, Luke, did I ever get back to you? Charles Gideon Dirks. Hey, hey guys. I also burns up. I appreciate your uh, pun in the intro. I <laughs> solid, <laughs> solid gold right there. Just wait till we do our uh, switchbacks. And Thomas, another list to Silent Sea Raven Kruger. It's always another list. <laughs> and special guest tonight, a former Navy man who doesn't do reviews. This author's first contract novel, Double Blind, and most recent works in Shrapnel Number Three, takes from the cracked canopy. The Razor's Edge of Opportunity, owner and CEO of Catalyst Game Labs, Lauren L. Coleman. Welcome to the show. Hi. In my defense, I was left unsupervised. <laughs> <laughs> they gave him a key to the office and he ran. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Now, oh. well, off that, though, Lauren, did you write the Cracked Canopy story or the intro to Tamar Rising first? Uh, Cracked Canopy was first. The one with the, uh, the unnamed mercenary, unnamed soldier. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that was, I wrote that first, and I wrote the Cracked Canopy, um, uh, Calamity Kell story, which was a lot of fun. Yeah, by no, by far, one of my, by far, one of my favorite series in Shrapnel is the Cracked Canopy. They're doing a great job every, with that. Yeah. Every time I see it, that's the first one I read. <laughs> so, Lauren, so start- you write? Was that? Am I right? You not right? As mu- not as much anymore as I used to, obviously. But I still, I'm still he- keeping my hand in. In fact, uh, you know, Mike Stackpole and I are finishing up a, a, a novel we're writing together for BattleTech right now. Wow! Oh, good, is that, that the Dragoon's origin story? What's that? Is that the Dragoon's origin origin story? Story, and it is not. It is not yeah. the way most people are going to think. Is it, it happens? So it's going to be. We're not going to. We're not again. We're not changing the facts. We're interpreting them in a way that people aren't going to expect. 
Oh, don't yeah. worry, Lauren. <clears throat> I don't expect any Dragoon story to go the way I think it's going to go anymore. So, <laughs> Well, I'm glad you brought up a new uh, event that will happen with uh, another book because we had a hell of a time trying to find out what was your last book, and that was that was a while back. So we're really glad and happy that uh, you got another one coming out with Mike. Yeah, I mean, we're having a lot of fun writing this. Yeah, bringing out the big guns. Well, Mike and I, Mike and I have always wanted to write together in a collaboration so it was a per- it was a perfect opportunity oh, great. Are, you, are you guys starting to do more of that with like co-authoring books together with other other uh, doubles uh more of it i mean i guess the answer is yes since it was really not much that done ever before and in, in fastest past just the mel odom blame part book i believe but uh in this case the shrapnel as well as the expanded baltic fiction we're doing now has given us more room to play and uh, I think recently there's there's just been a lot of good opportunities to do some uh, joint projects and have some fun. And this was my turn. Right on. And it was my turn, so. <laughs> <laughs> Mine. <laughs> yeah. Your, your card finally came up, huh? Well, there's, a, there's certain stories that I've always kind of wanted to tell. And so and there's a few more still sitting there out, you know, in my head that like, you know, they come up and I'm going, nope, they can't play there. That's, I'm, that's mine someday. <laughs> 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 I have a few RSVPs that are still out there that are I'm holding for myself for you know hopefully some more writing once uh, I get a bit more time to play. Well, that segue kind of leans into: Do you have like a favorite unit or faction? Oh wow, that's a tough. I mean, that's just I hate playing favorites because I love all my children. But um, I mean, I started as a Karita fan when I first started playing before I became a writer and 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 doing all the all the work I've done in the universe. But I think just because they handed them to me and said, here, make them cool again, I do have a special place in my heart for the Capellan Confederation. Um, you know, they have become they have become my, my faction, my unit, because what was there before was almost like just the butt of a joke. They really, no one ever really treated them very well. And I just went in there and tried to make them real. And it doesn't mean that they're, you know, they're, they're taking over the universe. It just means that now that they... Uh, you know, they occasionally get to win, and even if they lose, they get to look cool doing it. So at least I hope so. <laughs> You're going to add a little flair to them. <laughs> yeah, you no, know, just that was the whole point. And 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 uh, you know, for as as one of the as one of the like more oppressive regimes in BattleTech, um, making them sympathetic was a major challenge that I Ooh. really wanted. And uh, you know, trying to make Sun Tzu a a, a a sympathetic character to some people at some level was a uh, was a major challenge as a writer. And so it really let me play and, and stretch. And uh, I think mostly I pulled that off for those who have really dug into why he does what he does. It, it was the relationship with, you know, his mother and him and how he, I mean, he knew exactly how everyone saw his mother. Mm-hmm. And he went and you almost used that to his benefit. He was raised in the same asylum of a family. Yeah, so the yeah, only way exactly. to survive that was either he does either go crazy himself or become so good at reading and manipulating around him to stay just to stay alive. Um in, in my opinion. So that's why we really kind of went, you know, Ke- Kelly kind of was broken and Sun Tzu is just, you know, him as he's he's both a master manipulator, but also he is completely this is where people will always start yelling at me. He is completely self-sacrificing. And most people will look at it and go, no, he's not. I'm like, go back and read 
his motivations and what he does. He never does anything for himself. And doesn't mean always it's always to promote the Confederation. Exactly. Does not mean he's a nice guy. Does not mean he's not completely and utterly ruthless. But he does not do it for himself. So that's that's the one thing that's the only thing I can kind of hang my hat on as as a writer and say, how do I make this character interesting to read without him just being a mustache twirling villain? And he does despicable things. But he does them for potentially, you could say, the right reason. But yeah. I, I thought you did it very not me. You did it very well. Thank you. Um, speaking of origin story, what is the Lauren Coleman origin story with Battletech? As far as like how I got into Battletech to begin with? Sure. Well, um, in the military, we started playing some D and I ran I made some good friends coming out through boot camp and A school and power school. And uh, we were playing a lot of D and D and some homegrown stuff. And then one of our uh, Guys in our group brought out his Battletech stuff. I started playing, showing us uh, the Battletech game. And we played a little bit of that. And they taught me a bit about the universe. I, I had never heard of it before. So that was uh, uh, Ray, Ray Sains, uh owner of the patented Ray Sains Action Noise. And don't ask me to try to do it. I would not be able to. <laughs> He's trying to spell it. Okay, there was way R's and T's in there for me. But, um, <laughs> but uh, Ray just pulled out Baltic one day, and and the other guys already knew it, so I kind of jumped in and was playing with them, and uh, it was kind of it was fun. I loved it. I loved the the idea of the universe in general. But that's how I started. I came in as a gamer. We were just playing it in the military just for fun, and then when I got out, I happened to be at a writers group, uh, a long term writers group I was in, and Sam Lewis stopped by one day, president of FASA, and. I got introduced to him and was talking. He's like, hey, you ever thought about writing for gaming companies? And I hadn't, but all of a sudden I remembered Battletech. I remembered why I liked Battletech. So suddenly I'm invited to start writing for the source books and then invited to write for the novels or propose for the novels. So it was just kind of a, I got into the game side in the military and I just happened to meet Sam Lewis at the right time when I was starting a writing career. And FASA, within a few years, were, was monopolizing most of my uh, available freelancer time. They were I was writing you know a couple novels and a couple source books and a lot of miscellaneous stuff every year for them. Is your now, education is your education background in writing or English at all, or is it just something of a hobby that you've been able to grow into what it is today? You know, I would have said my math my background was math was basically math and. Uh, uh, mostly math and science when I was coming out of high school. Um, I thought I was going to, I almost got into MIT. I uh, was trying to get into MIT for, for laser technology before I went to nuclear power. And uh, I didn't really think myself have a background in, in English or writing, even though I took all required English classes. And then I took three and a half years of creative writing in high school as my primary elective and including a lot of independent study. So it just, it was for me, it was a way just to relax and have fun during the day and I didn't think about the fact I had a lot of experience as a storyteller before I ever got close to gaming, before I was ever a gamer. I, I set that aside after high school. I just said, okay, I, that was fun. I was done. And then three years later, I was going to uh, uh, get ready for a med cruise in the Navy. And I realized, you know, I have to entertain myself for six months. What am I going to do? I'm like, you know, I'll buy a word processor and try writing a novel. I always wanted to do that. And you know, I, I'll, have, I'll have a captive audience, so let's see what happens. And so, uh, yeah, it's kind of get back into writing in the military. 
by the time I got out, I knew I wanted to try to make that into some part of my uh, career. So I just well, I worked on that for a couple years after getting out. Within within two years of getting out of the military, I had actually a fairly decent writing career up and running. And then that right and right about then, right about that, that year and a half, two year mark is when I met Sam Lewis. Again, things just kind of lined up to where I didn't think of myself as an English major or a writing. You know, a creative writing person, though I really did set myself up for it quite well. Now, where, what was the location and what were the circumstances where you ran into Lewis? So I was attending the uh, Eugene Professional Writers Workshop for six, eight, nine months, somewhere right around nine months, I think. Um, they were, I was hosted by uh, Dean Wesley Smith and Christine Catherine Rush. She was the editor of the magazine of Fancy and Science Fiction. He was the uh, small press publisher of Pulp House uh, Fiction and Book Publishing. And they were very good mentors, and they took me in and, uh, and fed me and clothed me and taught me things. Uh, they were awesome people. Uh, and they, they had gathered a really amazing writing community around them in Eugene, Oregon. And I was driving two and a half hours each way every week to go to that writing workshop to learn and practice and make contacts. And one of the guys in that workshop, his name was Greg Gordon. You may not know the name, but Greg Gordon has done a lot of game design. He started back in uh, Torg, and for FASA, he had just got he had just recently designed and wrote their um, Earth Dawn role playing game. And so Greg and Sam knew each other very very well. And Sam was out was out visiting Greg in Portland, Oregon, and Greg brought him down to the workshop. So just have to be just the right people, right time. And Sam was visiting as Greg's guest. And I was sitting there like literally like, like one seat away from Sam Lewis. It was me and then Greg and Sam. And Greg introduced us and we started talking Battletech. He's like, wow, you actually know our world and you're a writer. You're talking about writing stuff. I'm like, let's go for it. So just, just again, just it was a great workshop full of a lot of professionals. And we had a lot of guests come by that were like, you know, you know, Gardner Dezois, the editor of, of Asimov, would come would come in, and we'd have like you know other major writers would all stop in when they were in town. Steve Perry and and uh, Damon Knight, others that were there was some you know it was a good group. But just again, you would say it was luck, or you could say I just worked really hard to put myself in the way of <laughs> you know, fortunate accidents. Sometimes you think it's a path laid before you. Um, there, you there, is no, there is no one way or no right way into into the gaming industry or the fiction or fiction writing. You just kind of like look for the opportunities and take them when they show up. It's it's been very interesting with all the people that we've had on. It was never really they never really sought it, but ended up having a similar story where they just they were able to fall into it or they had the right circumstance and had the right success and been a, a passion and a joy ever since. So it's, it's just a very, very interesting. It, you don't really set out to do it, but it, it finds you almost. Yeah, right? I, I, was, I mean, I was setting out intentionally to work on becoming a novelist. That's what I wanted to do after the military. And I gave myself two years. I talked to my wife and we gave, we gave me two years to build an actual paying career of some, of some level. And again, nine, 10 months into it, here comes Sam. And what's funny is I almost missed it. I, I mean, I, I don't usually tell this story, but why not? I almost missed the door on this one because uh, Sam made that offer to come right for Battletech. And initially, I didn't really, I, I mean, initially, initially, 
Eventually, the answer was, sure, let's go for it. I, honestly, my first answer to Sam was, let me think about that and get back to you. And then I moved back down. I was talking to Dean and Chris, who at that time had become basically my mentors, or at least, you know, very good uh, instructors. And uh, I was talking to Dean about the opportunity that was just presented to me, you know, further down the table. And Chris was talking, was sitting right next to him, talking in the other direction. And I said, uh, you know, this was offered. And Dean's like, wow, are you going to take him up on it? I said, I don't know. It sounds interesting, but I don't know if I want to be that kind of writer. And without missing a beat, Christine Rush turned from a conversation and said, well, right now you're not known as any kind of a writer. And turned back to the <laughs> conversation and just left me sitting there speechless. After uh, 15 seconds, I got up, went back over, sat next to Sam and said, I'm in. Good. How it's, about it's, that? It's, it's yeah. Amazing how that one little thing can can twist twist the brain to go. You know what? Well, <laughs> you're right. Chris, Chris was Let's make this happen. Chris was 100 percent correct. I was working at becoming a writer, wanting a career, and I was turning down an offer to write for money. I mean, it was it was completely snobbish. At the time, of my career when I could not afford to be that. Like I just didn't. But I didn't really think about it in that way. But you know that, that that paradigm shift you can have it just in a split second? That's what it was. Walk back down there. Well, especially. Sam, and, man, I can't even think about going back down in my life. If I would have said no, where would I be right now? Maybe I'd, I'd probably still be writing for a living of, in some fashion. But the years I would have missed out in this community, in this industry, with Catalyst Games, with Randall Bills, with you know my best friend and all, all these people that I've gotten to know, um, Mike Stackpole. I mean, chances are I might even know, I might not know any of them at this point because, but that's just the path taken. And you had wife permission. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Absolutely. So can't get my wife to commit to two years of anything. <laughs> well, I, I, you know, in the military, I, I did five and five years and changed the military. And while doing that, I put her through four years of college, and uh, we just felt fair was fair. And I, you know, I got I got a two year. I guess you'd call it apprenticeship period to prove I could yep. make it work. Sure. Mm-hmm. So that's what I did. Did did you through your writing, especially in those early days, you mentioned that you were thinking about going to MIT uh, for lasers and, and nuclear. Did that stuff, did your knowledge of that help with your transition over to Battletech? The technical stuff, not really. I mean, the nuclear technology stuff, I mean, I guess I guess I have an appreciation for Hardware isn't just magic box with a button. You 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 got to give us some details, and I, I get the idea. There's crunchy bits inside, so maybe that helps a little <laughs> bit. Really, the thing that probably gave me the most versatility in my fiction writing for Baltic, especially, was really my time in the military. Just dealing with military structure, and ha- that there it's a it's a culture with with kind of its own you know tweaked language and personality and. And knowing that I could bring that to Battletech, I think is really what made me a lot more successful. That no one is born, you know, military units are not born on page one. They, they come with a history. They come with traditions. They come with taboos and, and, uh, and, uh, uh, Grog. Yeah, really just weird, just weird, <laughs> uh, habits. And, you know, if you, if you bring that to it already, you feel like they've been around for a while. And they've been hanging out, and these are these characters have been around for years, and not just like a day. And so, yeah, that military experience really gave me that appreciation for the uh, the depth of these kind of communities, these, you know, a military, uh, a living military community. 
So sure. well, that part that's just one of that's one of the things I, I take away from BattleTech is it's not like like you said, there's not a magic button. Like a lot of the technical side of BattleTech is rooted in like real physics, real uh practical measures of science and this and that. And you know, a lot of other games are just like, well, it just happens. Um we've had many conversations with uh, other writers about how traveling the distance of the stars is a major pain in our ass. <laughs> but I appreciate that you know you guys didn't just whitewash something that just makes it faster. You kept it in a real world. So well, for that, you could you know thank Bill Keith, Mike Stackpole, you know, uh, uh, Bob Charette. I mean, these guys who came in and and uh, others I'm forgetting who were there before me came in and they made a living breathing world and they were inventing it from a whole cloth they were messing how the technology might work and some of the technology subtly tweaked very you know over the first year or two because they were figuring it out as they went by the time i showed up you know i could bring a little bit of extra to it that you know my experience from the military and from being a a tech head but uh really they they did the pioneering work and i got to uh you know all that trail made a lot easier well um one of the one of the big things we always ask every every person on our on our podcast is uh, how often, especially in roles inside Catalyst, is how often do you actually get to play the game? BattleTech Classic, Alpha Strike, uh, Destiny, you know the whole gambit. How how often do you actually get to roll dice and and sit across the table from somebody? Um, not as much as I as I used to. Obviously, uh, it, first of all. You know, kids and family and business, I mean, it all takes a toll on all of our gaming. But also, when you work in a gaming company, you spend anywhere from 4 to 12 hours a day, and that's really a weird, you know, spread, but it really feels like that some days. Um, you know, with your head inside a Baltic and Shadowrun, the last thing you want to do when you get a chance to relax, usually, is play Baltic and Shadowrun. Which is a shame because they're both great universes and I love both of them. And Baltech's been very, obviously, very close to me for most of my career. Um, so I just play. I play a lot less than I used to, uh, and I still. But I think there's a chance to play. I mean, we play. I play a good game of Baltech. I mean, maybe three, four, five times a year tops. The RPG, like out like uh, uh, Destiny, I've played twice. I think. Um, uh, I play Masters of Minions. I really play D and D and do you know escape by playing some D and D and relax and it feels like otherwise it feels like work like I'm play testing. Yeah, sure. Yeah, uh, sure. We're about but you know I, I guess you have to push minis around a board at least a few times a year. Uh, we did the Kerensky cons you know like last year from the from the previous Kickstarter and then we do the Masters of Minions every year at Gen Con and uh, so I still I still you know do I still hold my own on the table. <laughs> get, to, get, to, get to roll dice, well, destroy mechs. So if you're only rolling dice that often, then you obviously can't get the curse. You know, it, it resets every year. So you you're go. only, you're still rolling with virgin dice every year. So <laughs> I, I used to play a lot, lot more, and I, you know, the skills, the skills are still there. I make the occasional mistake, but I'm still, I'm pretty solid. Um, but uh, what chassis do you usually run? What's that? What chassis do you usually run? Uh. It can be almost anything. I mean, I'll, I'll play. I'll play classic stuff. I'll play the new stuff. If I, if, you know, given a choice, if I want, if I want to play fast and uh, fast and crazy, I'll grab like a, a solitaire, you know, which is one of the one of the things I got to design, being part of the team. 
Um, you know, it's, it's quick and nasty. If I, just, if I want to go out there and have a nice slugfest and last for a while, I'll grab the Sagittaire. You know, it just that machine looks like it wants to hurt people, and uh, it's got it, it's got some staying power, and it's a fun mech because you got lots of different weapon choices. If you get bored with the PPC, you can switch over to the LBE or you know whatever you want to do. So different <laughs> ways to play it. There's some people that look at that at that miniature going, "Oh man, this has got to have everything," and they look at the record sheet and they're like, "This is it. It's it's legs and guns." <laughs> <laughs> it's just a, you know, it came out. It was a fun design when I, when I first when I built that design for for te- a readout tech readout. Uh, I, it was a good enough design. I, I liked it. I enjoyed it. I built it, and oh, but then the artist it, went nuts on it. I'm like, oh my god! I I <laughs> just the look of it made me want to play it that much more. <laughs> there is a right end to this mech and a wrong end to this mech. And if you're on the wrong end, you're having yeah. a bad day. So a little Douglas Adams paraphrasing there, but yeah, it's like I like I just love the look of it. So it's become my kind of go-to heavy assault choice. Uh, all for, it is know, an intimidating match. It is. I love the Warhammer. You know, the Warhammer is a classic. Um, I like variants on the Archer. I like variants on the Rifleman, not the originals, but variants of them. So I still pull those out now and then and play those too. I, I always find it really interesting to find out who designed what. Because you know, like just randomly, you know, when we have guests on, they're like, "Oh yeah, I, I made whatever," and it's like because you know, it's not like they put a little uh, tag next to it and say this one was made by by <laughs> Lauren or anybody. So, so I mean, is the Sagittarius your favorite design that you came up with? Um, I th- it's definitely one of the top ones. I did. I so everyone thinks I made the Wraith because I gave that one to uh, the Caesar <laughs> for Marcus or the Wraith for Arisung. I didn't. I didn't thank you. Thank you for Arisung. Yeah. What's that? Thank you for Arisung. Yeah, he he, he's been. He, yeah, he, he's been my favorite for a long time. Uh, I did not invent either of those two mechs, and I really don't enjoy playing the the wraith that much. But uh, the Caesar's not bad. Uh, I use those because they really hadn't had much screen time. Um, I've done a couple dozen mechs over over the over time. The Sagittaire, and the Solitaire, both right up there for different reasons. The Sagittaire because it looks so damn nasty. And the solitaire, because Randall Bills at that point said, "Make it as sick as you want. Break, you know, the, <laughs> you know, min max every rule. Make the just a, the, the the you know most Monty Monty Hall Legend Killer design you could ever think of." And so I made the fastest thing with a heavy. It was like a heavy laser and and like a bunch of heavy lasers. I think it runs like twenty. I don't know. It runs like eighteen or twenty, and like has a heavy laser. And I built the whole thing and gave it to Randall. And he literally went. Oh my god! I'm like, that's even the worst. The worst one. I could put a targeting computer on there. He's like, no, <laughs> no, no targeting computer. No. Like, but you said I could make it sick. He goes, no. Oh, uh-huh. no targeting computer. He, he wanted he wanted cheese, you know. But but you <laughs> told me to go stop, crazy. Stop. So <laughs> the solitaire is a nasty little package. So it was just so yeah. I like that one just because it is just such is is so out there. Um, in de- from a design point of view, the Sagittaire is just a weapons platform on legs. You know, it's just it it wa- it waddles forward and blows bl- you know blows things up. So I I I've been the Minotaur, one of the first one of the first axe uh, TSM axe wielding uh, mechs. I've done oh my god, I've done so many mechs over the years. I can't remember them all. Um, yeah, those 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 two for whatever reason kind of like the one, two of my last ones I ever built just stuck with me. I just can't give them up. That'd be sweet if the tech readouts would actually list the builders and the artists. 
I should go back through the tech readouts and figure out which ones I actually built and turned in over the years. So there's a lot of them. I, make I'm it not a, sure I remember them all anymore. <laughs> make, make it a make it a coffee coffee table book. Yeah. Could could you imagine though, like designing like not giving you know if Randall doesn't give you free reign to just make the most off the wall crazy thing, but but you just put out like a reasonable mech. Just could you imagine the number of emails you'd get though? Going, you know, if you dropped two two of those heat sinks, <laughs> you could have put in you know <laughs> could have put in one more ton of ammo. Well, <laughs> no, that's, that's what we do though. Most mechs are not built to be as efficient as possible. If we did that, there'd be like like one mech for every weight class and you know, for every every weight uh, class, we'd be done. There'd be no character. There'd be no yeah. fun to this at all. So every mech has built-in inefficiencies to create the variety you need for fun gameplay and fun storytelling. Yeah, that works. We we don't we don't min max the mechs very often, only occasionally. Yeah, it's it's uh, <laughs> the min max thing is is a thing, uh, especially when you're you're in the world of BattleTech and you're playing. Uh, but I have found a lot of uses for, you know, a lot of those inefficient mechs because they're, you know, their BVPV are priced accordingly, and it's surprising what you can do with, with you know, the old the old stuff for just just mechs that do one thing really well or do everything mediocre. But yeah, yeah, you you can't have the perfect mech. Otherwise, why would anybody else? Why would you take anything else? Exactly, and again, it, would, it just limits it limits our ability to tell cool stories and to have fun in this universe, which is what this universe is about. It's about having fun, and you know, you know, not not taking it. I think itself so seriously that we just get into nothing but uh, you know the slog of, and 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 death and destruction of military engagement. It's it's adventurism. The the, the backdrop of a military universe at war. Is really a uh, just a way for us to uh, have a field in which we can tell these great uh, stories of adventurism and heroics and and and, and loss and victory and whatever. Um, if we ever start telling stories that are gratuitously all about just like you know gratuitous, gratuitous violence and not not actually entertaining or meaningful, um, I'll be I'll I'll be done. I'll be walking away at that point. I don't think we've ever done that, and I don't plan to ever do it. Well, that's good news. <laughs> yeah. Because a lot of those, a lot of those units, they make for great storytelling. Well, you know, that's what we try to do. We, you know, we we always start from a point of view of what's going to be fun. I mean, I built the angels. My first book, I built the Monty's angels because I thought they'd be fun. And I intentionally made them different than other mercenary units that have been in the fiction that recently. They started with some clan tech and slowly had it stripped away from them, as opposed to the other way around, like going and winning a treasure load. I I gave them some meager possessions and slowly carved it away. And slowly took took things away. By the end of this, by the end of the book, they were down to like a barely functioning company. I think at that point, with the ability to rebuild, but it intentionally turned things around on their story. And I built them to be someone I want to come back. I wanted to play with them over and over again, and then I wasn't given a chance because they immediately moved me into the Capellan Confederation and and the Warrior <laughs> Houses, and they took over Mike Stackpole's, you know, uh, the, the the political novels from Stackpole and. I never got back to uh, Marcus Giovanti and his his wacky group. Maybe I'll get to do that, you know, somewhere in the near future. I won't say for sure, but maybe it's happening. Oh, come on, Lauren. Well, you, you, you can make anything happen, we, can't you? I mean, we have noticed we're doing a lot of mercenary-themed <laughs> stuff this year. 
Um, I, I have I've caught on to that, yeah. But I believe Randall right kinda, now has a mercenary short story as well as a T-shirt for the. He did a mercenary short story which involves the Sea Foxes and the Elysian Lancers. And look at that! There's a Sea Fox and Elysian Lancer T-shirt on the web store as well as a short story. So will there be more of those through the year? Yes. Will I be writing one? Maybe. But I'm saying maybe <laughs> intentionally. I actually I don't have it. I'm trying to build room on my schedule so I can write one. And if I do, it will be Avanti's Angels. Okay, so here's here's your, here's your T-shirt idea. Uh-huh. Put Avanti's Angels logo on the front and unsupervised on the back. <laughs> <laughs> there be a... Kill two birds with one stone, Lauren. Yeah, well, there, there, there is something about, like sort of like that kind of going on in the story, so we'll see what happens. It'll oh, be, uh, perfect. It's the angels and and, I, and my, my two units are Avanti's Angels and the Word of Blake. So we'll see what happens. So Cameron St. So, Cameron St. Jemais is just too fun of a character for me to let go of. So I'm going to play with him some more. So you are a writer, a developer, and obviously the steward of the Battletech universe going forward. Uh, I'm wondering, because you've been in this position, uh, universe, company, for so long how has your position changed over i mean we're going on 40 years of battletech here yeah how has that position for you changed with the you know through the decades through the changing winds because battletech has gone through a lot yes it has and just just kind of wanted to know how has your you know personal take and professional take been on battletech changed throughout the years well, my, my personal insight into what I believe Battletech is has not really changed very much. It is, it is generally their stories about what we, you know, we don't need aliens or we don't need, uh, you know, these big nasty uh, creations. Battletech, the stories are what we will do to ourselves. It's usually, the, usually if there's, you know, something like to fight against, it's usually we built it. You know, it, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a struggle of humanity and, and what our humanity means and how far we're willing to push the boundaries on that. Um, as far as like the professional side, it just, it changed with my job description. I came in as a source book writer, quickly developed into a novelist and source book writer, later became a small business publisher with, with Battlecore, trying to get, you know, keep Battletech alive. And it's mostly been in reaction to outside events, except for you know, really championing, I wanted to write novels. Once I became a novelist, everything else was what kind of happened outside. You know, Mike had to leave for a while, so I got pushed to write umbrella novels. FASA closed its doors. I was there to try to keep it alive with the, with the Battlecore concept. Um, problems happened at uh, FanPro, and I was offered to. It was offered for me and some friends to take and run with the license to create new game material as well as fiction. So I did that. Um, it was always about there was something happened. In order to keep this universe alive and thriving, which I love, this universe I love, I had to step up and do the next thing. And and it took me further away from my writing, my roots as a writer and as a storyteller, but I've never given that up. I still bring my storytelling experience to the table uh, every time we get together for a meeting, every time we look at what the next year's story is going to be. Um, I'm still writing, obviously, some fiction, short and long form fiction as I can. And you know, help, assisting in, in uh, shepherding these characters through their life, their growth, their uh, their growth and their lives as we as we invent new characters and, and retire other ones. And then, uh, you know, what, what's the next thing that's going to happen? I don't know. 
you know, I'm, I'm pretty content where I'm at, but you know, the things will change. Um, in the last several years, I've worked hard at trying to dial back my CEO responsibilities to have more creative time, which is why I've been able to write a few pieces recently and why I'm work, I'm doing a novel with Mike. Um, I'm hoping to continue that trend where, you know, and I can focus on the big picture as to how to break Battletech into new markets. I mean, Battletech's having a renaissance right now that it hasn't seen in a decade. And that was because, you know, enough of us could step back and really look at big picture and how to, how to drive it and push it. And that's where I want to keep my focus right now because there's still a lot of uh, market we can we can mine and a lot of fans we can we can win over from other other games and from just lapsed players and whatever. I want to bring them back. I want I want to make Battletech bigger than it has ever been in its history, fam, or uh, facet included. That is my goal. If I do that as a, if I'm doing that as a CEO and occasionally as a writer or occasionally as a developer, then that's what I do. Well, and we continually on this show um, harken back to what it used to be, right? So, you know, late 80s, early 90s was kind of the heyday, yep. uh, and then it dropped. But it had a big enough an impact in that time that a lot of gamers, you mentioned Battletech, you know, five years ago, everybody's like, well, I've heard of Battletech. I mean, everybody's heard of Battletech. Everybody's, you know, played a game or or play the the video game or something everyone has a relationship with the battletech universe it's not until now or or uh, you know when catalyst game labs quite frankly stepped it up and said let's make a push with that first kickstarter and you know we've we i think we've had your entire creative cast on this (laughs) show and every one of them has said that the response was just overwhelming so, and- love or hate crowdfunding, Kickstarter and crowdfunding gave us something we didn't have before, a platform from which to really reach back into that fan base and, and, ret- and basically kind of like refire it, you know, really just re- you know, rekindle, refire it, refire it back up again and bring them back, bring enough of them back, as well as promote it to a whole new generation of gamers. We did both in one big push. And there was no other platform that would have allowed us to do that because no other platform reaches most of my marketing efforts from, from as a CEO of Catalyst is to talk to distributors. Maybe if I talk, maybe I could talk to retailers. I have very few chances to engage directly with the fans, with the players. And that's what we were allowed to do. That 2019 campaign, we reached out and gathered up 14, 15,000. Battletech players and brought them back and had a big party and had fun and had a great time and showed them all these new cool things we were doing. And suddenly we can't keep Battletech in print. We're, we're printing, you know, four or five times what we were doing the year before. And it comes in and sells out. We, we can't print it fast enough. We can't make new plastics fast enough. Crazy. <laughs> I love it. Is it a- is it ironic now that retailers are probably calling you? <laughs> it's, it's, we they are they are calling us a lot, and distributors are calling us a lot. In fact, uh, we Alliance reached out to us about a year ago and made a, a, a beautiful offer to assist us in promoting and and in Baltech and getting it out there in all the stores. And they just had, they just stepped up at a moment when Baltech was is already surging. Then Alliance stepped in and gave it a big push, and now. We had Alpha Strike, uh, the box set just come out. It's 
blowing out, and we're, we're already back to reprints. And we're doing the new mercenary campaign here in 45 days or so, uh, 30, 60 days or so, whatever it is. And uh, and now that's going to be, you know, that's moving forward. And so we're going to be, we're, we're going to get another really big push. Um, we just don't know where this, we don't know where the ceiling is. We haven't, we haven't found it yet. So we're just going to keep going. And yeah, as long as retailers are, are screaming for more product and distributors are, are signing on board to, uh, to be good partners, this is going to go crazy this year. Well, I always love the fact that the first Kickstarter, the first couple of Kickstarters were getting the old players back. Uh, and and, and the, the players that were already still going and trying to keep the thing going, you got them, you got the old players. Now with this Mercenary, because you drew back so many old players, you're getting so many more new players into the game. And they're going, what is, what is Battletech? And um, I I got to give a, a shout out to uh, Al Cove. He was an X-Wing guy and um, reached out to me. He goes, I don't know where to start. What do I do? Yeah. And I said, well, and he's talking about picking a faction. And I said, this is the beautiful thing about Battletech. There is a faction for your specific persona. Yep. Maybe more than one, in fact, but yes. Maybe more than one. And I said, be careful, though, because when you pick that faction, it becomes a part of your soul. (laughs) And and it's very hard to give that up. So whichever one you do, choose wisely. Read all all the fiction, all the other stuff. And then when you make that choice, it's like your second child. You know, it, it will be a part of you forever. And you'll never give it up. <laughs> no, and, and we and you know sometimes we hammer factions pretty hard, and you know we've we've only actually kind of permanently killed one ever, and even that one kind of came back a little bit now. But you know people like, oh my god, you killed my faction. Well, but they went down in a in a way that will be talked about forever. So, yep. Also, yep. If, if, things, uh, if things stay the same all the time, again, we'll all get bored. We got to keep mixing it up, and we got to keep you know thinking about what's next, and. uh Sometimes that means, you know, some favorites can uh, get get pretty pretty run over along the way. But you know, yeah. nothing disappears forever in 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 Battletech because nothing disappears forever in this universe. Everything comes back. Everything comes back around. Usually, when you're not expecting it. <laughs> it brings me back to a popular meme. I think that's following around the Battletech communities. It's uh, um, it says, uh, "I want to watch Game of Thrones." You mean the first Game of Thrones, which is Battletech? Yeah, I see that one actually. <laughs> I always have to give a chuckle at that because they're not afraid to kill people in that in our universe either. So no, sometimes, yeah, sometimes, sometimes killing them is the nicest thing we can do to these people. Um, <laughs> this, you know, Jordan Jordan had a beautiful vision for Battletech back in the day. He wanted to tell basically the the you know the, after basically the Roman Empire has fallen. And this is where the, you know, and now everyone's vying for the throne. And that's kind of where Battletech has been frozen in that, that that twilight of the story for almost 40 years now. 39 years, uh, you know, this year. So it works because people identify with exactly where we are. And even though we've, you know, we've now we've got the ill clan, everyone knows that's really not the end of the story. And they're still... Your faction is still out there. There's still it's still viable. There's still things going on. 
And it's just everyone gets where we are. And the, you know, peace, you know, peace will never fully break out in the interstitial because we, that'd be the end of the story. So we just we keep finding ways to revisit this in new and fascinating fashions, and with 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 new characters. I mean, the new the new uh, you know Alaric, uh, the the Ilkhan. I mean, he was he? Yeah, he was invented. He was completely invented from whole cloth when I wrote um, Sword of Sedition, and I was told create the new Brat Pack of the Inner Sphere, create the new political pantheon. Almost every character in that story was invented for that book. They never existed before then. And but those are the ones that everyone's all tied up in now, watching what happens with 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 Alaric and with Caleb and Julian and Calamity and all these others. And you know what? We'll be eventually we'll do it again. You know, we'll create a new pantheon of characters and people go, Yeah, but I like this guy instead. Well, you'll like that guy until these people do really cool things, then you'll like them. So again, we're just we're back to as long as the story still engages and and gives us a great backdrop for playing this awesome game, Altex going nowhere but up, and we're going to grow it. We're going to make it more exciting. We're going to attract new people. We're going to attract new players. So the pre-launch page for Mercenaries already has over, I believe, eleven thousand people signed up to to be notified when the campaign goes live. So that's huge. Now, if, you know, I don't expect all of them to convert when we go live, but a significant percentage of them will, which means Baltic, this Kickstarter may be bigger than the last one, which would be great. Which And every store out there should be going, you know, oh my God, that's great because we're going to create new players who want more product and fire up the existing base who are going to want more product. Um, we proved that. You know, the, the, the Baltic market, we didn't suck all the air out of the Baltic market. We breathed air into it. And, you know, yeah. after the Kickstarter... Baltech's never been as big as it's been the last couple of years. And I want to expound on your whole right place, right time kind of a thing. Because Warhammer is having a little trouble these days. Uh Uh-oh. X-Wing is having a little trouble these days. And we're seeing it more and more through Facebook and all these other social media where it's like, okay, I'm done. Uh, where's my next hobby? And there's a lot of YouTube videos go, is Battletech the next spot? And it it's uplifting that they're thinking that Battletech could be the next, you know, portion or, or take over that immense hobby that the person used to be devoted to. I think it is. Um, I think just the, the resurgence of Battletech is, is, and the downgrade of these other two game systems are having... An even more profound impact on Battletech success. I'm going to be political here just for a second because you know I don't want to talk down about any game system. Um, uh, even though I've heard the same things you're just you've said, I've heard that that being talked about, and you know, but some of these people, some of these people are friends of mine, and, and we hang out. Um, and honestly, I really do think the more I look at the market, it's not about that that X Wing and and uh, and Games Workshop fans are. Uh, are banning the game and and they're de- they're degrading. It's just it's turnover. Every game has a life cycle. It just happens to be that you know, this way maybe may very publicly playing out. But I don't see Games Workshop sales decreasing that much in the near future. In fact, they seem to have a plan to grow their market every year anyway. So the fact that there's a a migration, if there that is actually occurring, to Baltech right now. Because Baltech's hot and to their hot and fresh and new to their eyes, great. That's awesome. But guess what? Some of our players are also going, 
I've been playing Valtech for five years. Let's check this game out over here. Now, you're not seeing that done very publicly or loudly because, you know, there's a lot of positive messaging around Valtech because of the resurgence at the moment. So I think right now it's just a matter of, like, we have a better news cycle going than they do maybe at the moment. Yes. But in the end, yep. every, you know, this, this, we expand the entire gaming industry when we do this. We, we create new players. We create their players. They create our players. And, you know, so I, I mean, I, I, I'm a big fan of, of Warhammer. I'm a big fan of X-Wing. Um, and so, I mean, if we're, if we're I don't want to say we're stealing players from them. I think some of their players are migrating to us right now because we're hot and fresh in their eyes. And that's great for everybody because, because those people are not going to leave. And a few years from now, I don't know what game they're going to be playing. Altec is certainly one of the games they're playing. They're probably also going to play X-Wing. They're also going to be playing Warhammer. So I just want to be very careful because this is where I get myself into some trouble. By, by, you know, <laughs> by uh, you know, throwing some rocks well, at Warhammer. Right? I'm not going to do that. I, I'm a big fan of their properties. And, I, and the fact they've made, you know, that Warhammer has made millions of Wargamers. I cannot thank them enough. So, Right, right. And it's, it's maybe not more of their... <laughs> Maybe they're not abandoning their game, but the the great thing is is that they're frustrated with their game, and BattleTech is there. Yes, but if you look at the history, which of, you look at the history of Games Workshop, their fans get frustrated every five to seven years. It feels like yeah. that seems to be a feature, not a bug. That they their system is built to turn the market <laughs> every five to seven years. It just you know they, they there's a lifetime for a player that they that they are aimed at, and they are very very good at cultivating that player growing that player and then allowing that player to move on so well let's not lie it's also the life cycle of a tabletop war game yeah, player yeah, too <laughs> so, I'm just, I'm just, so i want to i'm angry <laughs> I, i've got a question i'd like to go back to like uh product and that kind of thing because one of one of my things uh, lately has been the the rec guides are obviously going very very yes, well. Yes, they are. Um the rec guides the rec guides have a couple of new units in them every time they get published. Me as a player and and us doing our 350 um and and having people bring their models to the table, the one thing that that I am concerned or would like to see is how do we get those new units to the table? Right? You got the the Urus, you know, everyone got really, really excited with the Urus and what was that Rec Guide 28 or 29, that the new Omni tank. Um it, it just Vito. the Mastodon, the Vito, the new Omni Vito that's out. Is there talk or is there plans on how to get these new units to market quicker? I mean, yes, but you, you kind of asked two questions there. How to get them to market quicker, or how to make them part of the game quicker, because they're already part of the game. You got a record sheet, they're in the game. Um, we're talking about how can we get a plastic out for them faster. We are so, I mean, right now I am pushing my guys to the limit and, and then some. Uh, if you have Randall on here again, ask him about how much I've pushed him on plastics. Like, he sets a schedule that won't kill everybody. Okay, here's what we're doing. Here's how many units we can make in one year. We're solid. And then I invent five more force packs. <laughs> he has to support and, and then we got the, we got the um, uh, monster fight club uh, assisting us making premium miniatures so we could actually play 
out in the weeds where maybe we can't do a force pack with the heiress right now, but we can put it into a premium right now. Um, I, when I said I can't make plastics fast enough, I meant it. If I could find a way to do another 100 plastics in the next couple of years, I would do so. It's not about the money. It's about we only have so much talent who are really, really good and really understand the Battletech aesthetic to make sure they're not going off the rail. If you, if you look, the modern miniatures we are now doing, they are still Battletech. We have cleaned them up, even done some redesign work, but we've oh. done it to make them a more modern version of what they already were. That is not by accident and it is not easy to do. So I, I think that's one of the biggest escalations of Battletech is because the miniatures look so and, good. And, and we know, and was, was, we can all say that there's a whole other level we haven't gotten to yet, only because it's slower. If we were to take them up another, another level, which I would love to do someday, the biggest problem is it will be even slower to develop each individual mech miniature. And our fans don't want four or five a year. They want 40 or 50. So we're, we had to you know, make a judgment call between how fast we can do it, how good we can do it, and how we can redesign them at the, all at the same time. So Randall does set a good schedule. I then push for a more aggressive schedule. And that's why you get like, you know, there'll be like five new, four, four or five new force packs out in the next month or so. All based on mm -hmm. the new mercy, uh, we've got a a mercy is on Kel Hounds, a Wolf Dragoons, I think a Northwind Highlander, the Great Death, and someone I can't remember. Hanson's Rough Riders, Rough Riders. yeah, Rough Hanson Riders. Rough Riders. And those are all. Nobody ever remembers them. <laughs> and all of those have a new. I believe all of them have at least one new mech in there, as well as reposes. And that's just because our our you know our miniature design people will kill themselves for our fans and for our store and for our our game. Because they love it too. If we can find a way to duplicate those guys, oh yeah, I would keep them so much busier, just just creating more and more mechs and vehicles and whatever. So I would just say we're doing what we can. We're getting those the long version sure. is getting you know, getting the errors into the game and into the story. We get them there as fast as we can. But there's still a lot of mechs. Oh. I mean, how many tech readouts? Six, seven tech readouts of mechs. We've got hundreds of mechs we haven't even touched yet. For the old mechs. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. We're doing How many do you, do you do you happen to know for from the artist's standpoint? Do you have any artists that are just full time dedicated to doing battle tech? That would be a Brent Evans question. I believe the answer yeah. to that. Is, I figured. I figured it, but I thought I I'd believe ask. the answer to that is yes. There are some artists who are right now we're monopolizing all their time. The biggest issue is we bring in an artist. And Brent's an amazing art director, and he makes them better. It gives them a whole lot of work and a whole lot of practice. And they get really, really good, and then they can work for somebody else for more money. Um, you know, we, <laughs> it's the nature of the beast. You know, I've got a range I can play yeah. in, and we build them all the way up to the top of our range, and then they leave us. And honestly, I couldn't be happier for these guys. They're all awesome guys. And they all come back. They all come back when they can and play and give us more great stuff. Um, I would say at any given moment, Brent's got one or two artists that we're monopolizing their entire schedule. Like right now, we just brought in a new map artist because our, our current map artist, Kat, she's just, we're, we can't get more work out of her. She's amazing. But we're, we got her fully booked as much time as we can get. Yeah. So, you know, we're always looking for more people and, and developing them. I mean, uh, I think it was Ken Coleman. We lucked into um, for Shrapnel. 
is now becoming one of our go-to artists. You know, I don't think that guy. We can't get we can't get him to do anything more. He's already doing. He's I believe he's turning out just piece after piece after piece. Um, you know, so when we get we start doing personalities again, we start doing the uh, the uh, for pilot cards. Um, you know, our our portrait artists. When we get them going again, yeah, we 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 monopolize them for months at a time. So. Yeah, it's right. and it's Who the nature. It's the nature of the beast. You guys are just coming out with so much good stuff. <laughs> yeah, well, darn and it. We, we 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 thought about releasing inferior material, but uh, we just couldn't bring ourselves to do it. Don't do that. Don't do. Don't that. do that. I was. Oh, I almost said something mean about. I almost said something catty right there. I, I shipped it the last second, but you know. I'm <laughs> not going there. Huh? You said uh, you said we weren't going to have to use the edit right. button. <laughs> <laughs> now, if I said that, why I let it stand? No, there's a. Uh, <laughs> Again, we 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 are we don't gauge ourselves against any other companies. We really don't. We don't compare ourselves to Games Workshop. We don't compare ourselves to WizKids. We just don't do that. We gauge ourselves against last year, against last month, against yesterday. We are you know we Battletech exists in its own special place. We don't have to prove to people why Agreed. it's a great game in a great world. So we just don't we don't worry about that. Absolutely. We don't draw those kind of comparisons. Absolutely, I absolutely agree with that statement. I don't know of another game system as for just from longevity's sake. We don't, we don't, we have that. nothing to prove, so we can focus on just right. how can we make it, how can we make ourselves better, which will make the game better. That's that's what we really do focus on. Everything else we do, we might see something else just for fun or laughs, but that is the way we think about it. We have nothing to prove. What can we do to simply make it better than it already is? So you you mentioned that uh, the Kickstarter's kicking off here in sixty days ish. Um, actually, um, sixty days from today. Actually, I think yeah. Oh, yep. There we go. Not not to date the podcast recording. Oh, sorry. Oh, yeah. um, hey, oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but um, fifty eight so, if I, we're lucky. Fifty eight right. if we're lucky. Um, so yeah, the the clan invasion Kickstarter was huge success, um, and it's kind of a two parter question. Like, did did you learn anything from that experience that you're like you're prepping for this one? Like, make sure that the the coffee pot is on and the tums are ready. And I, I mean, I don't know. Um, and then the second part is, what are you most looking forward to with the new Kickstarter? Did we learn anything? We learned so much, and we, we especially about what not to do. And then, of course, <laughs> we're going to try it again. So we learned how not to do dice, but we're going to try again. We learned how not to do. Um, customized fan customized material and yet we may try again um we learned not to do multi-wave shipping that we have learned that's not happening one wave and one wave only um it was great and it needed to be done because of covid and the way things got all stretched out but man that hurt uh doing multi-wave shipping was was painful um so we've learned some good lessons a lot of which we have learned that lesson and we'll, impl- we'll apply it going forward. A few of which we went, well, we missed. Let's try again. And that's just, because again, if we're not getting, making it, pushing ourselves to get better, then we missed the whole point. So we will try dice again. We will do a customized item again. But we're going to do it in a way that we believe will be easier and, and not killing ourselves to do. Uh, for instance, you know, would we do could we do customized dog tags, actual military-grade dog tags per person? Yes, we could do that. It is possible. Are we going to do it? We think so. But 
we are going to look at it very carefully to make sure that we know exactly how much pain we are letting ourselves in for so that we can be ready and not be caught unaware this time. So things like that. We learned a lot about how to work at these large numbers. When you're talking, you've got 12, 14, 16,000 backers. Even the smallest thing you do can be a lot of extra work. So you just we, we know that now. Um, that definitely we definitely got taught that, and we feel really confident that we are going to have an amazing Kickstarter with fewer bumps, with more deli- with more fun deliverables for for less with less issues, um, and so yeah, we're we're really looking forward to that. What specifically am I excited about for mercenaries? Oh boy, let's see. I'm trying to think. I just was working on the campaign earlier today. Um, <laughs> you know the the. The fiction, there's a lot of great fiction content, and we're ahead of the game this time as opposed to playing it, you know, trying to play catch up. We're going to have a lot of good fiction ready to go. We're going to have almost all of our miniatures are already designed and ready to, are close to ready to go into print. So we're going to take what was a 12 to 18 month time, you know, a time, late the time, and compile it down to about maybe six to nine or, you know, six months or maybe no more than nine. I think it's going to be less than six because we're going to be mostly done. We get there, except for the stuff that the fan enthusiasm forces us to do. We're going to be good. The books, the miniatures, it's only the swag we're going to have to really worry about. So um, I'm I'm excited about the fiction. I'm excited about the art. Uh, Brent Evans has outdone himself on the mercenary themed artwork. He has managed to put together. I'm excited about the, the new art we're doing. As far as a product goes, the Force Packs will maintain their quality. We're happy with those. The Mercenary box set will be amazing. Um, I think uh, there is one product that Reynolds just upgraded yesterday. And uh, I'm waiting to see how... I can't say much about it because I'm still waiting to see how the final version comes out. We're going to take one of the uh, auxiliary products and turn it into an uber anniversary deluxe piece of craziness. And all I can tell you is the, the, the name of it is just called the universe book. And that's all I can tell you. Uh, I, probably, <laughs> I, I probably just got in trouble for saying that, but you know, I'll, I'll live. Well, we know we about, thank you. For we that. know about the universe book. <laughs> well, it, just got, it just got bigger and crazier um, in the last 24 hours. That was all on Randall. Excellent. All of um, and it's gonna be his. It's gonna be a shining piece of uh, a shining trophy for him when it's when he's done with it. Curse you, Randall! Yes. <laughs> so Ray's been having so much fun with that. It, it, it's, it's taken a while. It, it, that, that book's been quite a while in development, but it's now reaching the. You can now see it in the distance. And so now it's hang all the bells and whistles and doodads on it to make it really really cool. Hey, it it hasn't reached ill clan level, so you're 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 still in in good good. It, it won't. It, this book will be this book. This book is uh yeah. It will not need to be redeveloped three times like we did with ill and rewritten twice. And, yeah. <laughs> that book was a that book was a nightmare. It ended up being a great book, but it was a nightmare. Absolutely. Yeah, that, that's 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 the thing I'm looking forward. I'm looking forward to like enjoying all the amazing art and fiction. And the big product, I really can't wait to see how it ends up being is the universe book. So you did mention uh-huh. Battletech. 
is going to be celebrating 40 years <gasps> next year. 2024. Wow. <laughs> Are we going to get a Battletech convention? <gasps> oh. Bum, bum, bum. Well, we, there we, we go. I'll just throw that out there. Because because I got to go to KerenskyCon, right? We, yep. I got to KerenskyCon yep. 1. I was thankful to be a plus one. It was fantastic. Yeah, it was so much great. fun. And we talked about this while we were there, right? I really think, I mean, and I know fitting it in, finding in the calendar where it goes, but a Battletech convention would be... So we really are fun. going to continue Kerensky Con as a as a yearly thing, or by inverse for a special invite. But that's you know, but that's not the same thing because it's only like twenty people at a time. It definitely is for um, the the our uber alpha amazing crazy backers. Um, will we do a more of an open Baltech Kerensky Con kind of event? Let's just say it's being discussed. I, I don't want to go too far down that rabbit hole because RescueCon taught us how much work that would actually take. But I assume you would you yep. want us to focus more on creating cool product than running a big party. Um, so <laughs> let's just say it, it's being looked at and it's not off the table. Yeah. But uh, we're we're all, uh, we, so we are starting right now to talk about the 40th anniversary and the cool things we want to do next year. Uh, the you know, and there'll be a new, there'll be a cool logo of some type. There may be some new trade dress, like the books and boxes made up looking a little different than they've looked, you know, up to now. We'll do a reset of what's in the boxes, maybe, and how the books are organized and published. Um, there'll be a complete, you know, a pretty much a good refresh or revamp of the existing line for the 40th anniversary. I think people are expecting that. That I mean, look at what we've done in the past. I'm not really saying anything we haven't done before. What will be special about the fourth anniversary will be many, many things. We are looking at other ways to offer a Baltic experience than what you've seen up to date. That could be in a way the a way a game is played, the type of game we're talking about. It could be, like you said, like a like a big Baltic convention. It could be in the way of uh, story. And there's a, so ev everything we can think of, we're saying, how do we put a fourth anniversary spin on this idea? And uh, and there's a few things if I said right now that Randall would probably come through the phone line and strangle me. So I'm being very careful not to <laughs> let anything out yet. That would be fun to watch too. The fourth anniversary cabal is now starting to be assembled, so we can think about what we want to do, not just one time, but all year. We want the the fourth anniversary to be a year long celebration. So, coming oh. hot off mercenaries, my goal is to have mercenaries fulfilled before we get into the fourth anniversary year, if that is at all possible. And a lot of the product you will see in mercenaries will probably be an early. Uh, we'll probably have some early fourth anniversary um, stuff in there you will see kind of kicking off the 40th as we get into Q4 of this year. So we'll be kind of blending that, writing that Kickstarter into 24 and the fourth anniversary with really cool stuff. That's all. I mean, I can't, unfortunately I can't think of anything specific because it's still, <laughs> everything's still on the table. I don't want to, and we may have to like, Hey, I'll give up this to get this. And I just, I don't know what that is yet. I mean, for the 38th anniversary, we had a giant Irby and the, the biggest tapestry or biggest uh, banner ever at yeah, Gen Con. Yeah. So, 
I mean, we just the, the Urbanback will show up at a couple conventions this year. It'll, it'll be back at Gen Con, absolutely. That was a lot of fun. That, that was a big that hit. Was yeah. That was a big hit. What's funny is I actually, I actually um, had two. I actually had two mechs planned. We we heard that. that. <laughs> the other one was even bigger, but I couldn't get it done. And I, I don't know now if it's worth <laughs> doing because now that we've done it. Oh yes, it's yeah, worth it. We'll come see. on, yes it is. Come on, it has to All be right. worth it. Yeah. And, and inflatable, Why and would it not be worth it? Be really, really big. I don't know if we can pull. You know, no. Oh, we didn't hear dropship. Oh. <laughs> we didn't hear dropship. I lie a lot, so be careful. I like doing that to you guys. To, to do the, to the well, just make it look like a hot air balloon, and then it'll be there fine. Then it can think, actually rise and land. I think the other the other inflatable should happen though, because that one. Yes. That one yes, would be I great. Just, just don't know where the hell you're going to put it. I don't know. It's an icon. It's a solid icon. It. Yes, it is. It goes wherever the hell it wants to go. That's where it's going to stand. Again, let's. They can block off a street. That's fine. Now, now I, I can't. Not, I can't get the picture out of my head now, though, of a hot air balloon landing yeah. at Gen Con. Right. That, that's painted like a, a Union dropship. Union? Really no, 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 no. Oh, We're going Overlord. Oh, Overlord? Icy, okay. That's going to be an then... icing too uh, the day after this, this, this podcast, so I'm, I'm going to get so much trouble. Um, Why? Well, all, all you need is an FAA license. Yeah, that's all. And then, Just get a pilot, and, and you're then, good. And then we have somebody get out, get out, get out of the basket dressed up like Alaric and then claim oh. to own Gen Con. That'd be hilarious. And then he gets monkey piled by a bunch of haters. We <laughs> <laughs> will have some cool stuff. Hey, Ryan. Hey, we some cool stuff this year. Hey, and Brian Peterson's got an FAA. We'll have a lot more. I don't know how I'm going to one up the inflatable urban mech, but I'll, I'll find something. We'll have some fun. Um, and uh, yeah, that's not bad. We'll do a lot of stuff like that. Our, our, our goal is to really have a year long party. And really just keep promoting and pushing Baltic to new heights. You need an ERP person. An ERP? Oh, yeah. For all those fun ideas. Event. <laughs> I got nothing. Emer- emergency reality person? <laughs> this cannot happen. <laughs> that's, what, that's, that's my wife. She keeps me grounded. <laughs> when Randall and I really enterprise uh, an enterprise resource planning okay. person. Yeah, when, when Randall and I get lost in being complete biotech geeks and like we can do this and this and this and this, and my wife walked by and said, "No, no, <laughs> <laughs> need to dial that back by half." <laughs> yeah, we can't take it. We 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 have proposed some things that looking back at like what were we thinking? That could that would have been a disaster. Oh, yeah. Thinking awesome. Yeah, again, there's so, you, you can get it's still easy to get lost because we are super fans of this universe and gaming and the industry. We can still get lost in the moment. My wife, while a gamer and a fan, she she sees when we when we have lost all grasp of reality, she walks by and smacks us. <laughs> oh, good. That's awesome. <laughs> it works. It works for us. <laughs> So, yeah. Lauren, where do you see Battletech in five years? Wow. <laughs> I know. I saved the big one for last. In five years, I've got no idea. My plans right now go out to about three. <laughs> um, <laughs> All right. Well, where, where does three play? All right. Let's work with three. Yeah. <laughs> three to five years, where, where do I see Battletech? Um, 
I think we'll at some point we may find where our ceiling is in the next three to five years. But hey, maybe there isn't one, and wouldn't that be awesome? Uh, what I want to see Baltic become, where I see Baltic in three to five years, is it is recognized as one of the longest standing intellectual property franchises that are out there. We've been around, you know, I think as long or longer than Star Trek, or pretty close to it. Ooh, and uh... we need to be recognized as that for for fiction. Audiobooks, streaming. I mean, all we need is a is, is a stupid movie or TV series, you know, a streaming series, and we'd be like rocking it, really huge. But that, that, that there's your five year plan. Well, unfortunately, I can't make that plan because I don't control those rights. So other people control pieces of the rights I have no way to get to. But I will keep pushing and championing that we all should be working together to make Baltech bigger all at the same time. The video game rights. The board, the tabletop rights, and the entertainment rights. Um, I think one I, happy I family. Three to five years, at least two, if not all three, of those rights holders working together to push the brand, because we de- we deserve that um, level of recognition. There are a few properties that have just had BattleTech staying power. Um, and what it has spun off and best-selling video games and best-selling board games and, and best-selling fiction. I'm like, yeah, we just need to get back to that and really make sure everyone's on message and getting that out there to where everyone at least has heard of Battletech, even if they don't play it or they've read it or they've watched it or they've you know, been told about it. Um, that is my three to five year goal. It's just to break through that, that public, that, that glass ceiling where everyone understands who and what we are. And Anything holding yeah, it back. Because right now we are we are limited only by our ability to create better and better product. It comes back to how are we doing it better today than we did yesterday? If we keep that as our goal, then there's nothing that's gonna stop us from growing this to its maximum potential. And part of that is getting the other rights holders on board to work with us and to work together to celebrate this amazing property. It's just, it has to be, it has to be that. That's, that will always, what'll be hold, that will all, always hold us back until we figure that out. But that's what I'm working on. That is my goal every year is to work better with these people than last time and make it work. So when Netflix calls. <laughs> people have called. I wouldn't say, I won't say who, but we've gotten calls. What setting or what era would the Netflix Battletech miniseries take there place? Are, take Netflix out of the take Netflix out of the equation. Just if you could tell the story, if the story was going to the big screen, what would be the story that you'd want to have told on the I big don't screen? I don't you know what was funny is I'm not kidding. Randall and I were just talking about this three days ago. The single best introduction to the Baltic universe probably remains the Warrior Trilogy. It's still even better than the Blood of Kerensky Trilogy for introducing you to the world. If you just walk in and page one of Warrior Trilogy, you are walked into the world of Baltic from a small to a bigger to a grand scale. True. And and, and Kerensky kind of does the same thing. It resets, it goes back into Victor... To a unit, to the to the to the to the to the war, to the to the different houses, it follows the same pattern. But but um, virtually, I think, still does it the best. 
the problem is the word trilogy is set, well, I don't know, was it 100 years ago, something like that, something crazy? So we need a yeah. modern version of the Warrior Trilogy to bring people in. You can't start with, you know, we, we're not going to get, unfortunately, the Lord of the Rings voiceover going, you know, Mankind spread among the stars and crazy and do like a five minute history lesson before the movie or stream. It's just not gonna happen. I would love to. Don't be wrong. Well, I would love Star it. Wars did kind but of did that. Glass grill in <laughs> there. It's not gonna work. So true. Um, well, you never know. I just we need a way know. to walk someone into our universe that doesn't make them feel like they got run over by a steamroller. A story, and we need we need a modern warrior trilogy story. Does that now? Where are we set it exactly in the Ill Clan era, in the Jihad era, in the whatever? I would probably set it either in the Clan invasion or in a more modernized, modern era of the Ill Clan or whatever comes after that. Um, because if we're going to bring in people at that level, um, you know, the movie, the stream, the whatever, let's bring them in where we are right now. Let's not bring them in. Let's not yeah. bring him in to where the game was 20 years ago. In, in sto- the story was 20 years ago. Bring him in now. Yeah. Let them discover the backstory later. And we don't have that at the moment. And uh, we're not in a hurry to find that necessarily. But it is something to think about. And we think as we, especially as we approach the 40th anniversary, is something to consider. So what, where would I set when, it? I would probably set it in a modern, whatever our modern era is in the Baltech storyline. That's where I want the new yeah. people to start. Okay. Well, it always makes me think of uh, like uh, when we talk to John Helfer, he always says it's, you know, it's uh, thousands of years of future history. Yep. So I, I, like in my head, I, I just would like envy somebody who stumbled into this cool new sci-fi show on some streaming service or some movie or whatever. And then they get to go back and read all the history that led up to the show that they were watching. Like that would be so cool. <laughs> of course we've all, you know, we already know the history, but um, like for some, for bringing people into the universe, I think that would be a really cool way to do it. Uh, again, when we, when we see that storyline, we'll know it. When we see the new Kai Allard, the new Victor Davian, the, you know, the, the new uh, Justin, the Justin Allard storylines, we'll know it. But this is the new the new on-ramp into the Battletech universe. Um, we're not in a hurry I, to I think... force it out. We've got to find it and make it make sense with both fiction and gaming. That's, it has to fit both sides of the of that. So we so it'll it'll work also in the video video games. It would work in streaming, it would work in tabletop. It has to work everywhere. So it's something we're on the lookout for, or that we will or we will be working on developing very soon. Cool. I think the the neatest intro I ever saw was Wolfpack, where somebody's just bringing their duffel bag up the ramp, and they get introduced to their first unit. That really would I mean? That's what it comes down to. You need to actually limit the story to something approachable. Um, <clears throat> to uh, you know, it has to be about a care about a character. Look! Look at the size of, of some of the biggest stories out there for science fiction. I mean, you really look at look at the new the new Avatar the Avatar movies. Really, what you're looking at is the story of Jake Sully. That's it's his story. Yep. But his but he is integral to. They don't go back and teach you a history lesson of like you know everything. You start with a grunt throwing his duffel bag on you know or, or uh, getting off the dropship and into a wheelchair. You're like, what is that going on? 
and you go from there. Yeah. So yeah. it's about finding the right. But he was well, also the perfect. Um, I'm using him as an example because it's, it's a great storytelling device. He didn't know anything. He was integral to the story, but didn't know the story. So he had to be taught the story along the way so that the viewers could catch up too. It was a perfect character yeah. choice. Um, yeah. You will find that person for us. I mean, again, we've had that before. Justin Allard was the perfect choice for the Warrior Trilogy. Victor Davian and Kai were, the, were, were like the two sides of the, the Blood of Kerensky series. And Phelan. They, like, there's like two or three different yeah. guys in there, all with these great stories that introduce yeah. you to certain parts of the universe. That's what we'll find again. And we'll have that again. Maybe with a new when we create, when we start getting around to making a new pantheon of characters, you'll see some of those stories start coming back up again. Because they have to have the most interesting internal conflict imaginable. <laughs> you never know. Well, I I for one can't wait. Um, I'm super excited, especially with the restart. The Ill Clan era is is the new restart for the BattleTech universe. Um, you're teasing us with all these other books. We're we're still waiting for Dominion's Divided, yeah. and then we'll finally get Ill Clan Ill Clan eyes only, and and then the table is set for the next you know the next great expansion of the uh, the BattleTech universe. So we're we're all just waiting on bated breath because uh, it's going to be a great time. Well, watch so. the watch the mercenary campaign. We're going to let loose. We're going to we're going to preview a lot of the coming year or so once we get into the campaign, and then that'll lead us right into the next year, which is the anniversary year. Between these two, we're going to be you're you're going to see a lot of a lot of uh, new on ramps and new new storyline you know, freeways that are going to you'll see them coming now. Um, it's about it's about they're about to start launching. So just kind of watch that, and uh, you know we appreciate you guys helping us get the message out there, being such great uh, voices for for the for the game and for the story. So just invite us back anytime. We we love doing this. Hundred you know, percent. We've as we've told everyone, if there's ever a time that you guys want to get a message out and we can help, we are just a Slack message away. So, um. We're thankful that uh, everyone has had the opportunity and, and has agreed to come on. And, and thank you so much for taking the time and, and joining us tonight. Thanks for letting me ramble around tonight. I appreciate it. Uh, Lauren, I, I also wanted to ask you, is, is your ultimate goal when someone types Lauren Coleman into Google to not mistake you as a cryptozoologist? Yeah, we just uh, unfortunately, that just... Do you get that? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. And he gets it too. Um, he's a nice guy. Oh really? <laughs> he, he's a very nice man who who does some amazing stuff, and unfortunately, the internet was just to the point where we we did a, the name search, it didn't pull up, and there's been you know, the internet's gotten uh, smaller as it's gotten more powerful, and so now there's so much crossover, you can't look at one of us without seeing both of us. That wasn't true when I got going. Oh man! Or I probably would have done a little bit more of a name change and just added my middle initial, but. Yeah, he, he fortunately Lauren Coleman, the cryptozoologist, is a very nice guy with a very decent sense of humor who has taken it in stride. And I appreciate that. Oh, that's yeah. great. <laughs> no, I, I have, people have actually brought me Mothman books to sign before and, and <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that's great. Yeah. Oh and I, I wonder if they're getting if he's getting uh Double blind. They're like, can you? I believe he has. I believe he told me he has had that happen before. Yeah, at a, at a, at a, at a, at a this isn't me. 
unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately, it was just uh, didn't quite work out as uh, didn't quite keep that. But yeah, uh, again, fortunately, fortunately, he's a nice guy with a decent sense of humor about it, and we just that's we do our, great. We just do our stuff great. and don't worry about it. Oh, that's so Ow. funny. I I would love to have a double blind copy by signed by both you and him. That would that would be the perfect <laughs> perfect uh, collection Actually, right there. <laughs> Oh, that's great. Signed by the real Lauren. <laughs> uh, Lauren, this is usually our section of the interview where we ask you, did we miss anything? I mean, uh, are there any questions that we didn't know? We just, we just or... kind of focused on, you know, my career and the stories and where I'm going right now. I mean, there's there's so many stories we could focus on. We could talk for hours and not exhaust the, the stories that are in my head. But, uh, Really, I just appreciate being able to kind of come in here, relax, ramble around a little bit, um, and just talk about where we got started and where we're going. Because that's, I'm very proud of the work we've done and where and what we're doing right now and where we're going to go in the near future. Um, it's been a big part of my life, my entire family's lives. Um, so, no, I mean, I, I'm trying to think of anything I can think of, but other than you know other than the lost novel which i which i'm now bringing up which was uh which was shadows of faith which i never i started before fasa closed but then it got kind of stuck in in uh oh. in rewrite hell um there is there is another baltic umbrella novel called shadows of faith out there that i'm 40,000 words into but it's just between that and the jihad and everything else that was going on at the time with uh, with baltech I could never get my hands fully around it to finish it. It's still there. It still fits inside the universe. I just have to go back and spend enough time there to really finish it up. So there's that one. That 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 does bring up a question I wanted I, to ask. The G the jihad era is an era. It's super important, but we have so little fiction or knowledge or or personal stories from yeah, that era. Yeah, because it wasn't meant to last is, that long. Is, it was meant to be a much shorter <laughs> part of the story. It was supposed to be critically important, but more like an explosion, not a, you know, an ongoing military war. So it was supposed right. to be like a really big shake up the snow globe and then branch off from there. Unfortunately, we started shaking up the snow globe. And at that same time, uh, without getting too much into it, Jordan Weissman and WizKids and other things, other things were going on that kept stringing it out. We had to keep waiting and waiting. Like, we'll just keep shaking the snow globe. We'll get to stop one of these. And so three years later, we're still shaking the snow globe going, <laughs> we got to stop at some point, guys. And so that's why Chows of Faith kind of got stuck because we never, it was supposed to be like, you know, a, a, a you know, you know, like a one year story. Now it's like a 10 year story. Like, wasn't necessarily planned that it evolved that way. Sometimes that happens. Um, so we never really had a firm, the firm footing from which to start telling enough of these stories and, and adventures to, to be able to do that and publish it. That's why there is not a lot of written material and a lot of it we're treating as apocryphal because we just need to be able to move on from some of the conflicting material that got forced on us. You know, the, we have we, we, conflicting material uh -huh. forced into the story from either our own over, uh, missed oversight or got told, hey, put this in there. Oh, that part you were relying on? Nope, throw it out. You can't have it. We're like, uh, <laughs> uh, okay. So 
you know, it's just the way it goes sometimes when you're when you, things get a little crazy in the in the way of the licensing and the and the real world business side. We had to simply yeah. wait and wait and wait. Um, so that's why Shadows of Faith. I always call it the lost novel because uh, it's still sitting there. It's 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 it's, it's Victor Davian on Tharcat at the New Witting Conference, waiting for the first bomb to drop. Effectively, it's just sitting. It's, it's forty. It's almost half written. Just. Yeah. Well, fucking get yeah. on it then. <laughs> <laughs> my whole reality comes that era. If the movie doesn't come, that's your five-year plan. I'll go back plan. to 367 here and get, just immerse myself into it. So that's, I li- eat, live, and breathe that particular moment in Balchuk history to write this novel. Wow. And right now, with the, with the campaign, right. the anniversary... No, where where do you guys want my attention? <laughs> going back or moving forward? You, yeah. you right, right, you finished, right where it is. You, right you finished, where it is. <laughs> you finished that. You finished the the stuff going on now, but but we'll be on the lookout for shadows. Yeah, of again, let's watch. You know, watch for Dead and Wolves first. You know, let's let's get that out there. Maybe, we'll, maybe Mike and I might do a second book. We already have it kind of like thought about. This is truly the Wolf Dragoon's origin story. This book ends Ooh. with them ready to head for the inner sphere. Nothing at all about the early years of the inner sphere. It's the origin of, in, inside the clan homeworlds. So, this is so the second book. I would love to understand. Yeah. I would love to know about Bristol and the travel and the cash. In no, we're, we're, yeah, we're, there's no, there's lots of fun far. story there. Holy, you don't even get that far. That's, That's part two. Cool. This is them forming, them forming up hmm. the unit and and the just the, like the first like you know year or so of them forming, training, getting ready. And all the political maneuvering that um, ah. the Clan Wolf Con is doing, while Jamie and Joshua are basically getting being maneuvered into this position where they will be able to take over the dragoons. Um, so there's a Ooh. lot of stuff going on that we, and a lot of it looks good when it's like one line in a source book. They're trying to make it real world, make it really work in a novel. You're like, mm, doesn't make a lot of sense. How do we do this? You know, yeah. So it's just, it still amazes yeah. me. In the world of BattleTech, one line in a source book can turn into like a, tri- a book. trilogy oh, yeah. of novels. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. So Dead of Wolves so. is really our plan. Then maybe we'll move there to the Samurai Trap. Oh, did I say that out loud? Dang. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> with uh, no, no, it's, just, it's just, it has nothing to do with the combine. Actually, um, it's actually uh, it's actually something huh? about the clan. It's actually a, a, a term from something in the clans. So. Anyway, so Mike and I got we had some plan. <laughs> you're gonna along. send the wor- you're gonna send all the BattleTech nerds into what did he mean by that? <laughs> they just, hey, what's funny is they have, they're pretty good. They have figured out. Sometimes we make changes because yeah. oh man, they figured yeah. it out. Okay, we have to take a left turn here. Where do we go? <laughs> Maybe we'll figure out what that means. I don't know. We'll see. But uh, no, Den of Wolves is going to be is a lot of fun. I I am writing the Jamie Wolf side of the story. He is writing the Con Wolf side of the story. Natasha kind of like floats back and forth between them um, as the dragoons. Right now, the dragoons are just a concept. Um, they're just really not. Sure. They're really not ready yet, and uh, it's going to be fun. Not what people again. They will recognize all the parts, just not what they're expecting to see. So. We're going to start with that and cool. see where we go from there. All right. Well, you get Excellent. those two out, 
And then, then Shadow. Shadow. <laughs> and, then, and then the Avanti's Angel story. And then the whatever else I forgot. There, okay, yeah, there you more go. Of the there unnamed, you go. So, more of the, un, the unnamed soldier and more of the whatever else I got out hanging out there. Maybe when Lauren Coleman retires, we can all celebrate because we'll finally get Shadow right. to face. Well, heck, I sort of go back and write more of the young Kerensky stories I started writing way back when. I was having a lot of fun with those. Like, again, oh, that was Ashley cares that no one expected to be what he was. So just want to do more of that. But we'll see. Well, I'm really glad that you get are getting back into writing. It it is. Uh, it's it's one of those things where if you lose your passion enough and it turns into a grind, you can you can really beat yourself up. And uh, it's great to hear that you're actually still writing is still up at the top echelon of your things to do. I am so. still a storyteller. Uh, my my medium maybe I may be telling stories with like you know across the work of an entire company these days. It's still about telling a good story. That's where it starts and ends with me. That's awesome. Um, I think we are going to take a break. Uh, Lauren, you're more than welcome to stick around. Otherwise, I think we're done with the interview. Um, one of our top top interviews I think we've ever had. So kudos to you. Actually, I do need to jump off, guys. But I tell you, I had a great time. And invite me back anytime. And I'll, I'll next time we can talk about a whole other topic or something. But feel free. Uh, do you have any shout outs before you step off? Oh, just, I mean... I mean, I've already given some kudos to Randall. I should also mention Ray, Ray Arestia, the Baldock line developer, is doing an amazing job under impossible circumstances. And just, you know, everyone who out there who, who talks about Baltech, from the, from the players to the, to the retailers to the, the streamers, the reviewers, the writers, the artists who all come and, do, and be part of this amazing universe, thank you. I really appreciate all the amazing work and the amazing energy you bring to this world. All right. Well, we thank you for your time again, and we appreciate your service, sir. Thank you very much, guys. Have a good one. Thank you, Lauren. Have thank you, night. sir. And with that, we'll uh, jump to this history brief with Charles Gideon Dirks, brought to you by Aries Games and Minis. On this episode of Wolfnet History Briefs, when taking Terra, third time's a charm. Hello Wolfnet and welcome to this installment of Wolfnet History Briefs, where we look at what happened this month in the Battletech timeline. I'm Gideon. Let's go. We return once again to the cradle of all humanity in the Soul System, where, for only the second time, it is the site of a full-blown invasion. Late in the word of Blake's so-called Jihad, coalition forces made up of units from nearly every major power from across the inner sphere, Great House and Clan alike descended upon the Blakus in humanity's birthplace. They were led by none other than Devlin Stone, the man who rose from complete obscurity to, what many believed, the last hope for humanity against the Zealot's fire. The first step of the invasion was a space battle around the Titan Yards where the primarily clan forces jumped directly into hostile fire headed by an automated Casper II space defense system. It was equipped with all the hidden nuclear missiles one might expect from the word. Weapons the Ghost Bears had to find the hard way when the Great Bear, a Leviathan II-class warship and the largest ever built, was destroyed in a single salvo. A few hours of the largest naval battle scene in centuries 
caused heavy losses which slowed the invading coalition, but could not stop them from claiming the first victory of the battle for Terra. Next, the main invasion force entered Terran space and burned toward their targeted castle's Brian. Coalition forces knew that the Blakus would be dug in and ready for their assaults, but no one had expected just how complete the preparations would be. Across the globe, Coalition forces made headway, some measuring their progress in centimeters, while the fortunate could boast whole meters gained for the cost in men and machines they were paying. Unfortunately, the progress that the Coalition made only increased the desperation of the Blakest forces, and after the first of the castles Brian fell, the use of nuclear weapons became a common sight. Only, the weapons weren't only targeting the invading armies, but numerous instances were reported where word of Blake forces decided to go out blazing, in the way only nuclear fission can create. Additionally, as the tides of war began tipping further in the Coalition's favor, the clan forces had been able to repair and refit their ships around Titan, and being clanners, they were itching for a fight. So the naval assets joined the rest of the fleet around Terra, while clan ground forces ran roughshod over the urban domes on Mars, striking at the words Rom Stronghold. Notably, elementals of clans Wolf and Jade Falcon were part of the strike force which took the Blakest base on Luna, which would be the closest any clan ground operation would get to the surface of Terra. Even though they were allies of convenience, no one was willing to risk what might happen if you drop a few clan galaxies onto Terra. Finally, after four months of bitter fighting, Cameron Saint-Germain, the presenter marshal of the Word of Blake, marched his awesome onto the battlefield outside the Devil's Tower Castle Brian. It is believed his ego could take no further punishment, and even though he could have easily led guerrilla activities on Terra for years or decades, he decided he wanted the war over, one way or another. After nearly breaking coalition lines, Saint-Germain came face to face with Devil and Stone's Atlas II. And after a brutal duel, it was Stone who succeeded as Saint-Germain's awesome blew itself apart. Which brings us to the 23rd of December, 3078. An armistice was signed by Stone and presenter David Alsace, the highest-ranking Blakist still alive on Terra. This spelled the beginning of the end for the Word of Blake forces, on Terra, and across the Inner Sphere, as the Jihad de-escalated into a widespread mop-up operation. Though, as we covered previously, the Regulans apparently take their mopping very seriously. In the end, it wasn't the fury of Wolf's Dragoon's assault on Mars in Operation Vengeance, nor the cold calculation of Comstar's Case White, that would pry the word from Terra, but the guts and cooperation of the entire inner sphere. This is Gideon signing off, and remember, those who fail to learn from history are doomed. And that was History Brief of this month with Charles Gideon, brought to you by... Aries Games and Minis. Moving along tonight, after a great interview, uh, we have the new products coming out, which were mentioned... Uh, earlier, like the Mercenaries box set with vehicle announced. 
Yeah, it, it it feels a little hard to follow Lauren when Lauren's talking about the Kickstarter. <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah. There's a there's a bunch of stuff coming in the Kickstarter. It's going to be real cool. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, but no, but there's this, more. But this this box set, I am super excited about. One, it's vehicles, vehicles. and it's only vehicles. Um, two, there's six of them. There is a Maxim, Demolisher, Ontos, Pegasus, Skulker, and the uh, Hero, or uh, Command Van, uh, Shrek PPC, and the uh, Helicopter. Hero, not Huron Warrior, uh, Warrior, Warrior Helicopter. Just the Warrior and Helicopter. There that's, it is. And that's looking to launch on March 23rd at Adepticon. Oh. Oh, and there's the galleon tank. He's 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 hiding in there too. Well, why not a bandit? Because they yeah. hate us. Uh, they can get those other places anyway. Uh, but no, that was uh, in addition to uh, uh, all of this is coming from the big mercenary Kickstarter announcement. Uh, if you haven't seen it already. Uh, it says 10,712 people have joined so far as of Sunday night, January 22nd. But uh, I think that number is going to far exceed uh, 12,000. So, it, well, that's uh, just to be an that's just to get an email that hey, it's I, oh, that's, live, that's right? true. That's just to get an email <laughs> that says, "Oh, hey, by the way, it's going live." <laughs> yeah, or to get updates. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but <clears throat> can't just. Uh... Can't just add to cart for uh... hmm. everything. Add to cart for everything. So I mean, I, I'm uh, of course looking looking forward to the the minis and the box that of course. But um, finally, we're getting potentially it looks like a GDL patch that sounds yes. awesome, um, and maybe a challenge coin for Rasselhag Dominion. Maybe kind of what it, kind of what it what looks, looks like. like? That's what it looks like. Oh, my daughter will be very what? happy. Yeah. If uh, where is this? It's on the it's on the backer kit uh, e uh, email announcement. There's a Great Athlesian patch. It looks like there's the uh, Snorts, Snorts regulars. Yep. Um, Buffalo nickel. The Fifth uh, McCarran uh, cavalry. Uh, looks like there's a Torian Concordat uh, challenge coin. And uh, there is a very sweet ass looking. I don't know if that's going to be a pin or a challenge coin or a throwing star. Or a th yeah, it's definitely going to be a throwing star, no matter <laughs> what it is. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's the the uh, Russell Hog Dominion uh, logo. Looks awesome. Yeah, the the GDL patch is definitely going to be sweet. <laughs> I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Well, and then one of the things, because in the last in the clan invasion Kickstarter, there was the uh, uh, there was like the challenge of getting the coins upgraded in size. If in the first week or whatever, there were so many shares, um, but they've already released that. If you back in the first was it forty eight hours, um, you get the Visigoth uh, mini. Yeah. So Whoa. they're continuing with the aerospace. They're 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 continuing aerospace. And no, for those of you wondering, we have not even started talking about aerospace in 350. So, <laughs> but you could do you 
you could do a diorama of Phelan and his Nova yes. uh, against the uh, Visigoth yeah. fighter in the canyon for his trial. That'd be cool. So there's also the four-inch Timberwolf model, which, from what it looks like, it's not as big as the Destiny models that, Andrew, you got to uh, use at KrensikiCon. Yep. yep. And Lauren kind of alluded to this, I think. It might, it might uh, be the one that he's alluding to. Absolutely. Yeah. And this looks like it could be one of those dual uh, classic kind of... Uh, It'd be great for like a large terrain board, 3D terrain, um, and not using, I mean, maybe one or two, just kind of a dueling uh, game. Mm. You can paint them up. I mean, if it's four inches mm. tall, that's going to be great for painters. Yeah. Be easier for us bad painters. Yes. Uh, it will go great with the new announced. Uh, Army Painter Battletech crossover paint set that I believe someone just released a uh, video for. Yeah, that was uh, that was a, a pretty neat little deal. I mean, being able to pull a paint uh, a, a paint deal out and have a Battletech logo on it and be Kirita red, right? <laughs> Your painting sort of light. This is the color you use. Um, <laughs> the, the only, I mean, obviously, there's you know always a couple of things that you'd wish you'd see a little more of or whatever. Um, you know, I, I would have liked to have seen a black in there for being able to do mm. um, cockpits or be able to you know do a wash, even though you're not supposed to have to do a wash with with contrast paints. Um, but being able to black out the cockpit and and do something fun, you know, with the glass, um, whether it's that's an uh, an advanced topic or not. I mean, Ryan Peterson with the CSO YouTube site has an amazing set of videos of being able to tell you exactly how to do basically anything on painting on a Mac. So <clears throat> I thought I, I need to go back and look at the literature, but I didn't, it didn't pop out at me that, you know, here's camel specs, here's the website here, more painting stuff. Um, that I need to go back and look at and make sure, but um, it wasn't, you know, go here next type of thing. Um, but overall, um, being a Battletech fan, ecstatic that there is a, here's here's a painting kit that's Battletech themed. Um, that's really cool. Yeah, and just to, to round out the other uh, couple of things that we're not exactly, again, if you if you have the email, you can read it for yourself, but uh, they're going to do launch parties, and um, there's a ton of new fiction coming out. There's the Battlefield Support Playtest Open Beta, which uh, you can sign up for when the Kickstarter goes live. Uh, there's a ton of stuff. They, uh, they're definitely, they're definitely uh, going all out for the Mercenaries Kickstarter launch, so uh, that will be at Adepticon. So everybody, uh, if you're not at Adepticon, stay glued to YouTube and all the other things because they're going to be doing all kinds of stuff at Adepticon. So it's going to be... Save your pennies. Yeah, save, save your, your pennies. pennies. Start saving now. So, I, but, I, Well, just to be clear, though, the that beta is live now. 
Mm. Correct. If you sign up for if you sign up on the to get notified, oh yeah, you yeah, get yeah. directed to a Dropbox that you can download the PDFs and uh, an open beta test of the Battlefield support, um, various different Battlefield support stuff. Okay, it's That's... geared towards classic. It is not yes. Alpha Strike friendly. I will say I haven't looked at it real real well, deep, but it didn't look like it. Yeah, no, I, it, it, I, my my take is it's somewhere between. Um, I, I don't know if for anybody who plays D and D, um, there's a concept called minions mm-hmm. where they are like one hit point, you know, they, they are there, they can do things, they can interact, you know, with the, with the players, all of that stuff. But at the end of the day, if they take a real shot, they die. Like they, they're not there to be a main focus. And it's kind of, it's kind of like between alpha strike and minions, for what what this battlefield support does where it goes um the, these vehicles are on the table they can you know they they move they shoot they do they do all vehicle things but if they take a hit they might just be dead rather than doing all the record keeping and all yep. of that stuff for them that you you get kind of a very like rules light version so that way you don't have to add I mean, in total warfare, what what do vehicles and infantry add? Like another 30 pages of rules if you really get into it. Um, So that way it's like, here's a couple pages of rules, how this works. Now go and do. Um, I mean, and and I don't know that it's really going to prevent. I, I, I think even with this, I think it helps people expand their classic experience. Um, but I think that alpha strike will still be the better, like, uh, amalgamation of all of the different, uh, unit types into one game system. I think they're, I think they're called assets. Uh, and I've seen the cards. They look very similar to, uh, uh, a fancy alpha strike card. They have damage values and they have this, um, what I think this will really go great for classic is campaigns or narrative, narrative one-offs kind of a thing where, You've got, you know, a line of, of Ontoses and Demolishers uh, lined up, but it doesn't slow down the gameplay to whereas the GM has to, like, have a record sheet for each tank. It's just like, well, here's here's a bunch of tanks that are in your way, or, or they'll be great for telling a story and be interactable on the table, but it won't bog down the game very much. So No, yeah, exactly. I think that's... I, I think it's a, it's a it's a new alternative way to look at classic, which I think it's a great great aspect. They're, they're, well, uh, the op- the opening line here is the battlefield support rules are designed for BattleTech players who love the idea of combined arms play, but prefer to keep focus on battle mech. Yeah, under these rules, players are encouraged to think of vehicles, artillery, various aerospace strikes as buffs to what they're already fielding, bringing combined arms flavor to the BattleTech game. Which would be great. I think that's exactly what classic Battletech needs because um, Alpha Strike, it's it's easy to add tanks and everything, uh, combined arms, but for the classic, it, it will bog your game down, and it's not it's not the focus. The mechs are the focus, and I think this is a great uh, kind of half measure to to include these these new toys that we're going to be getting. So, yeah, well, and and yeah, I, it 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 gives you the 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 player and i think this is exactly where where i agree with you coaches because it gives the players that feel of i'm in a mech and they just sent you know like my lance of mechs just had a company of uh tanks come after us 
and we royally just stomped the the yeah. bejeebus out of them. <laughs> yeah, we, we took our licks, we took our damage. You know, like it, it wasn't a cakewalk, but we felt like the battle mech was something special, you know, um, where, yeah, you can get bogged down in the, all of the extra rules pretty quickly and easily. So, um, keep it fun, keep it fast paced and still can get that, uh, endorphin rush. If I'm a mech warrior, Mm -hmm. um, have you guys seen the hype about the launch parties? I feel like everybody everywhere is like, how do I get one of these? Yes. Uh, I don't know what kind of, of hornet's nest cattle stirred up with these launch parties but i think there's going to be a lot of people that want to do a launch party and i hope i hope they have like a good as a as a former retailer i really hope they set up a back back system for this to go as smooth as possible (laughs) because that could be that could be a a shit show but uh i'm i'm assuming catalyst is doing this through a vendor or a a wholesaler which is the best way to do it because then i as a as a retail owner i can just go to my wholesale site say i want a launch party kit and that and they just ship you out one that's the best way to do it so if that's what they're doing great because then that'll a lot of people have a lot of fun with that yeah and and i think that's the the part where everybody runs into is they say how do i do this and mm-hmm. th- that that part hasn't been released yet so yeah uh, yeah but but i i do think though that it it is very cool that they are acknowledging that battletech is a worldwide game and mm-hmm. there's people everywhere who want to take part and not everybody can make it to chicago so but they want to have everybody have fun with yep. the kickoff so yep. Um, I, it's like a Super Bowl party I want to be at. So yeah, yeah, it'll be great. It'll be a lot of fun. Uh, let's see. Oh, so Rec Guides twenty nine and thirty dropped. <laughs> yeah, you uh, you guys got some new battle armor. We uh the the Wolf's Dragoons got some new uh, battle armor, which uh, I I can personally say I read the the Rec Guide and I was like. Eh. And then I saw the Alpha Strike card and go, oh fuck yeah. <laughs> those will be uh those will be uh in every army that I make yeah. of the Wolf's Dragoons. You're you're not <clears throat> kidding there. You're not kidding there. <laughs> Instant bad. Mm-hmm. If only yep. they had those on Terra. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> well like like a certain colonel said they should have been using but apparently the general just totally forgot that. Um, the other the other dragoons had them all. When... <laughs> yeah, the, the other even though it's a seventh commando specific <laughs> and it says it right there <laughs> in the largest fucking assault that the Wolf's Dragoons have been a part of. I don't know, they got lost in baggage or something? I don't fucking know. <laughs> They're stuck. They're stuck in the motor pool on the dropship. Jesus! We packed them way in the back. Damn it! <laughs> they're waiting for that big Marauder two wow. C to yeah. get out of the way. Oh. Yeah. I gotta get my bitch out of the way. I gotta get my fat ass out of the way. The Marauder two oh. C that had the uh, the hitch attachment that was dragging the trailers. Uh, he was apparently too slow or something like that. <laughs> like I'm not fucking waiting for him. 
Was it the Marauder Two C or the Marauder? <laughs> I was mm. I was too busy shooting shit. I'm sorry. Yeah, taking down <laughs> some Jade Falcons. Anyway, uh, we actually, if you guys are uh, new to the podcast, we do have a YouTube uh, channel called Wolfnet Radio. So go subscribe there. And you will be uh, able to watch a little preview we had of uh, one of the craziest models to come in a wreck guide, I think, in a long time. The Charger C. <laughs> it's pretty expensive. It's very expensive. It's and a third of your list, which is kind of ridiculous. I, 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 I think I'm safe to say this, Matt, unless you're running like 600 PV, don't take it. Uh, you could easily change it out for two decent medium units or heavy units. Yep. Yeah. It's more it, better. It looks really cool. And it is really cool. It's just, man, it's really expensive at 83, 83 damn points. 83 fucking points. But it's, it's cool, fun, I guess. It's I fast. It's, it's fast. One of the fastest assaults out there. Hopefully they have like the Charger C2 and they just strip out all the bullshit. <laughs> all the electronics. <laughs> just just strip all the expensive tech. I feel like that's what a there. mech warrior would say. It's like, I don't need this shit. Just tear it out and let's go. So, no, I, so no. I, I, just, I, I just pulled it up and because it, it was the first unit that came to mind. You can either take a Charger C or... Widowmaker at skill two. Yeah. <laughs> which yeah. which do that's you a, use? That's a no that's a no brainer, dude. Yeah. Wow, that is that is not a tough decision. <laughs> that's a yeah. no brainer. Not gonna lie, there's not a lot of uses for the Charger C, but I don't know. Maybe we're wrong and there is one out there, but there's a lot of uses for it if it doesn't involve cost. Mm. <laughs> we can go back to old school and just match off by tonnage. Dude, but, that uh, Widowmaker can throw seven damage or ten damage at medium range. Yeah, yeah. with it's got an overheat of three. I, I give you oh that. Oh my god! But, oh, seven and so three it's a, it's a seven okay. seven six overheat of three, ten five. It only moves six inches, but at a skill two, you don't need to move fast. You, you don't need to move at all. <laughs> you personally, you just make stuff go away. But uh, there was a lot of cool stuff in. Uh, Let's just say if you're a Hell's Horses fan, you're a big, big fan, fan of Wreck Guide 2930. Yep. <laughs> they got all kinds of new toys. And, you're uh, not wrong there. There's a certain person that's uh, very familiar with the podcast that lost his shit <laughs> when a certain <laughs> tank dropped. So, <laughs> uh, but anyway, um, we're getting an Omni VTOL. So that's interesting. That turned a lot of heads. That uh, that sparked a lot of. We knew it was coming sooner or later. That that sparked a lot of conversation. When it uh, it it took all it took twenty twenty hours, I think, before there was a question on the uh, BattleTech forums asking, "Can I mount my battle armor to the outside of it?" Um, (laughs) Yeah, exactly. That's. um, And what was the answer? Um. Well, last I saw, there was no answer. It's just hanging. It's I, just hanging. I, I I'm looking right now. I think, I think we're going to assume that it's capable. Well, I mean, it, it goes against the rule of flying with battle armor strapped to you, but... Yeah. There is none. 
Well, there, you, there you is can, you in can, classic. You can have you can have battle armor inside of you. <laughs> You'll see. Well, and, well, that's that's immediately where my head went is um, <laughs> going off of uh, redemption rights with the uh, Zibblers. element and, and, and they, hanging from the bottom of them too. Yeah, when they. I'm uh, sorry, that was that was not right. That was I'm I'm a couple stories previous. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, you're sure. on uh, redemption rift um but rift. On, in, in redemption rights with the zibblers because they like just spun around and like dropped a crate of elementals and i like i think that would be so cool with the VTOL. like it comes in and like hovers like just for a split second drops a crate of elementals and takes off and you just have like yep. these little like little boxes of angry elementals <laughs> popping up all <laughs> over a city look what i brought to the party little party poppers but um no, and then uh, Riptides, the new Mercenaries Tales from. I didn't even know that that was out. I just bought it. Yeah. Stupid. <laughs> yeah. Well, my favorite part is it's Mercenary Tale one, so that means there will be, yes. assuming a two and a three and a four. I uh, I purchased well, it like an idiot because I didn't realize I, I got it. A... I just bought it too. I didn't you know realize what? we got it for free, I'm, but I'm, a, I'm okay. I'm okay giving them. I mean, go figure. They make Randall's uh, fiction free, so. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Randall. Thank you, Randall. <laughs> <laughs> When's but, the next one? <laughs> Got to give him a little jab every once in a while. So I. I'm sure we'll have a uh, breakdown of that after uh, LVO because I'm going to have some time on the plane to read that because it's LVO, baby. Yeah, so um, four days. We got. Uh, I wanted to give a shout out and a congratulations to Ron Ploger. I uh, had a successful AS350 event at Avricon. Uh, the the amount of swag he had to give out to people was ridiculous i i don't know how or why we became the the swag queens when it comes to uh uh tournament prize support but as350 seems to to do pretty well at that so uh congratulations to him that was good to hear <clears throat> i was supposed go, to be Ron. there but i got but i got too much shit to do yet um getting into upcoming events like Keith said, like you said, um, this Friday is our LVO event. Um, <laughs> Shocker. Bags are packed. No, they're <laughs> not, not yet. Not yet. LVO or <laughs> the, the great podcast convention. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to have a lot of podcasters there. The, the, the meeting of the families. Can, is that what we're calling we'll see, it? <laughs> yeah. We can, we'll see if we can do something cool with that. <laughs> the meeting of the um, families. I like that. <laughs> write that down because that's pretty good. <laughs> so that'll ha be happening on Friday. Um, we're going to be doing some other things on Saturday, and uh, I think everybody's heading home Sunday. Uh, oh, I'm really hope I'm really hoping Ben gets the boxes tomorrow, so I can stop stressing over that and I can actually get some sleep. Uh, speaking um, of swag, uh, do we want to give a little preview of the possible swag at LVO, or do we want to keep that? Secret? No, no, we're gonna let those at LVO uh, 
Fuck them, right? Get that out. Get that out. <laughs> they paid the money. To, they paid the money to come and play, so they get to have a little secret time. There you go, a little secret I, time. Okay. I I, th- I think it it's worth saying though that it's very exciting, very exciting. And I, this is coming from me, who I don't get excited about things. Yeah. But I I actually want a place. <laughs> I want to win this. <laughs> the 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 middle of the pack is where all the fun happens. That guy, me, I actually would like to place because I'm that excited about uh, the uh, price support. So winning, it's gonna be all right. fun. So then we get into your neck of the woods, Charles, uh, Genghis Khan, and Denver. Why don't you yeah. give your spiel on that little bad boy? Uh, yeah, uh, that is on February 25th. Um, I am, uh, assisting with, with TOing that event. Um, uh, there's 24 total tickets that were available. 12 of those have already been gobbled up. So, um, and, and I, I feel that most of the LVO people, folks that are going to LVO are waiting until after LVO before they start committing to more tournaments. But, um, so it looks like we, all of the folks who aren't going to LVO are, uh, picking up those. So, um, it is at the Hyatt Regency conference center on February 25th. Um, it is, um, three fifty. It, it's using all of the optional rules of premier. Um, but it's a casual event. So if you don't have your stuff painted, that's cool. If you need to proxy something, that's cool. Come out and play. Um, even if you don't have an army, um, get in the Colorado, uh, discord or Facebook, let people know that you want to come and play, but don't have an army. We, we have extras. <laughs> we, have, we, have, we have so many extras. Um, so is there, uh, is, there a res- is there a restriction at all, or is it is it open? It's open. It, it is uh, standard. Yep, standard premiere. We we did not uh, draw any lines. Um, sp- specifically, I think just because people who didn't who don't get to go to LVO this way, they get that you know they can have a, another big blowout sure. kind of. Yeah. Yep. Bring whatever kind of event, but yeah. Um, but if you have any questions about it, reach out to me or uh, David uh, Cerberus. Cool. Uh, next up, we've got uh, Adepticon. Uh, our event is happening March twenty fourth, that Friday again. Um, had a little bit of uh, some feedback. Um, what this will be our second event that we will be doing um, under the Catalyst Demo Team banner. And we are we will be listing our event as AS350. You see Alpha Strike 350. Um, it's a very good bet that it will be one, our rule system, and two, quite possibly run by us. Um, I've had a couple of people ask about, well, I didn't see your guys' name anywhere in the, in the deal. Um, and we didn't know because there's also um, BTCC Alpha Strike that's being run at the same convention. Um, we're sorry for the confusion. Uh, there was a little bit of politics, if you will, having happened there that we're trying to play along and, and do, do right by all those involved. So anytime you see AS 350, it's 350 tournament rules, more than likely being run by us or, um, by someone that will have had conversation with. So. We are at 31 of 32 tickets 
for Adepticon. Uh, so we should have another full house. We're really looking forward to that. Uh, that will also be the launch of the Mercenary Kickstarter happening at Adepticon during that time. So a lot of neat stuff over that weekend. Uh, we also, same weekend. We're also trying to get more tickets. So if you are interested in going to Adepticon, uh, reach out to us, whether it's through Facebook, Discord, or wherever, because uh, we are going to try to get more tickets. So it'll be an uphill battle, but we're going to try to get more tickets. So just want to put we're that playing, up. We're playing within a different system. So we're still figuring out how everything works. Um, it's growing pains. So hopefully the next time we do it, it'll it'll go easier. So For those of you uh, who are going to Adepticon, it is Civil War era only. So when, okay, you are making, when you are making your list and you're in the units tab under era or product uh, uh, product availability, only select Civil War era. It's not everything up to Civil War or Civil War and everything after. It is simply just Civil War. So tell your friends. Yes, tell your friends. Let everybody know. So the same weekend um, in Jackson, Michigan, uh, Mr. James Topa is going to be running uh, a 350 event at the arena in Jackson, Michigan. Uh, big reason that he is doing this instead of being an Adepticon is he is going to be retiring from the Air Force the following weekend after having been in the military for 33 years. Um, I want to give him a heartfelt thank you for your service. Um, and if we can, it's not very far. I mean, if we really wanted to, we could probably make it there, but it's a lot of running for that weekend. Um, that is what I got on the books as far as dates go. We need to find a date for Rumble on the River, third annual. Um, don't know how or where we're going to fit that in yet, but uh, we need to figure that out. And then uh, the next one that we are planning on being at is Gen Con um, with Lauren's interview in Game Con in Toronto. Maybe we'll figure something out for that too. Don't know yet. Um, but that's what we got on the list for uh, upcoming events for 350. Big, big round of applause for Topa though. 33 years in the Air Force. Way to go. He couldn't do 35. I mean, I mean, come on. Come on. What a, <laughs> what a, well, wow. I mean, there, there are age restrictions. <laughs> tough, crowd. Tough, tough crowd. I mean, tough crowd. Tough sooner or later, they, sooner or later, they make you retire. What's another two years? Gee, <laughs> no, congratulations, Topa. <laughs> Way to go, buddy. <laughs> uh shout outs yeah andrew first i'm gonna <laughs> i got I, I got a few so buckle in um first shout out goes to randall bills uh for getting me the uh that uh, paint set to to do review um that is a really cool um idea for content creators I need to get the rest of you guys involved when, when stuff like that comes out. Oh, yeah. um, but I really, really appreciate uh, you getting that out and then allowing us content creators as a whole being a part of that. That That's uh, 
pretty neat change when it comes to Catalyst. Um, to all of my co-hosts, uh, LVO has been uh, stressful to say the least. Um, logistics alone, trying to get everything done in there has been um, stressful. And I wanted to give them uh, a big shout out for helping where they can and putting up with my stressed out self and calming me down when they can. I got to give a shout out to my wife and kids for their patience. Again, for LVO, this has been a monumental task to get everything ready to go for that event so that we so that event comes off the way we expect it to and what we want to deliver to our player base. So they've had to give up a lot of time for me uh, to get everything done. Um, my local gaming group here in Minnesota, uh, we play every Wednesday night, and it's a, a great way for me to, to unplug. Even if I don't play, I get a chance to uh, shoot the shit with uh, my friends and, and Mr. Richards, um, uh, Jerris, John. Uh, the staples, Bob, that are there all the time. Uh, I really appreciate you guys being there and, and at least getting me to come out. Um, this gaming group here is a phenomenal. I can put a call out on a Friday morning that we're going to get together on Saturday at one just to roll some dice and freaking 10 people show up. So it's it's a great group and I and, uh, wanted to say thank you for that. Um, I got to shout out Ben uh, Kleinfelter, Burben, or, uh, Burben for. Uh, being our mule, uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> the amount of money that we spent trying to get the equipment out to um, LVO, uh, Ben has been instrumental in helping us get that done. He cut our costs in half by offering to, to get it delivered to him in, in Colorado and drive it out. So um, I really appreciate him um, doing that for us. And last, I know we don't plug this very much. Um, just because it's not really our thing, but to all of our Patreon members, uh, you guys are the reason that we're able to continue to go to these to these conventions or to run events. Um, it, it's a it, three dollars doesn't sound like a lot, but you know when you add three dollars up a hundred times, uh, that that allows us to get out and go do these events. And uh, I know we don't say enough thanks to all of you, but uh, it's very apparent to me for LVO that uh, what you guys do for us and in, in your gifting uh, is much appreciated. So thank you very much. That's, that's me. I'm, I'm done. Aaron. Shout outs. Um, Say it from yeah. the heart. Say it from the heart, uh, coach. Yeah, Lauren, <laughs> I'm going to thank Lauren. Sorry. I'm going to thank Lauren. I know I, I I got him on a late night uh, hook in June, I think. And I was like, hey, we'd love to have you on Drunk. the podcast. Drunk. Yeah. Might have been some <laughs> alcohol involved. But um, uh, super thankful for him to be on the show uh, and waiting the however many months until we could finally schedule him in. Um Really, really glad to be able to talk to him as the the CEO and the co and I mean the founder of Catalyst Game Labs. A lot of great stuff coming our way. Uh, it was it was super super awesome to hear that from uh, quite literally the the head of the whole uh, the company. Um, yeah, uh, shout out to all the people that are going to LVO for thinking making this thing happen. 
Um, we didn't know we were going to sell 12 tickets or two tickets and to turn out and, and sell out like we did huge. Thanks to all you guys. Um, a lot of good banter going on back and forth in the discord. It, it sounds like it's going to be a great time. Um, shout out to my, I fellow- hope I can, I hope I can find my shoes. <laughs> uh, big, big shout out to all the other podcasters too, as well. Uh, they're doing a great job. Uh, on the origins, Mech Bay, Valhalla. I'm sure I'm missing a couple of others, but uh, you guys are doing a fantastic job. Keep it up. Um, all of our YouTube subscribers. We hit 1,100 this uh, the other day. Uh, I want to thank for all the the people watch uh, Thursday night throwdowns. Uh, hopefully, we're doing a good enough job. I want to thank Sean Goolsby for being the the whiz kid that he is. Uh, he knocked it out of the park this last Thursday with uh, a whole new rendition of uh, of cards and damage tracking. So uh, uh, we're we're learning as much as he is, but he is way ahead of us, and we're we're just trying to play catch up. So uh, big thanks to uh, those guys, and another shout out to Metal Ed and Chandler for helping commentate on Thursday nights as well. So I want to I want to piggyback off of that. So the video that I did. For- just the box opening of the paint set. That was me using my GoPro, um, a live streaming directly to our YouTube channel. Um, for a long time, I've been really worried because it's been a grayed out option in my application until just yesterday that I checked it again. So we are going to try and stream uh, games at LVO. They are not going to be anywhere near what Thursday Night Throwdown is. Your base. We're gonna all we're gonna try and do is get capture a game as it's being played. Um, I don't know how good the audio is gonna be or anything like that, but we're gonna attempt to try and um, at least get something out. So, go ahead and finish, Aaron. I'm done. I think. <laughs> uh, Charles. Uh, yeah, I think I. Coach must have been reading my list there. Oh um, shit! I'm sorry, Charles. Yep. Shout out uh, Eden, El Professor Diablo, and Meddled. Um, meddled. Oh, metal Ed. Met- meddled. I don't know. It's the same thing. Um, they have been killing it on uh, Thursday night throwdowns with their commentary um, and um, just. I, I I know that they have been making efforts to one like on uh, Sean's part, um, o- always like upping the visuals. Um, but I know as a as a group that they are trying to do like more and more in depth analysis of what's going on, and I see that, and I feel it, and I get it, and I appreciate it. So uh, thank you to you uh, to you guys. So otherwise, it would just be table talk between the players, and um, I I mean nothing against the the fellows that are playing <laughs> but you know sometimes table nobody talk wants, is a little boring <laughs> nobody wants to hear them they're boring <laughs> um shouting out bourbon and the north man um for uh well this is kind of a future shout out because they are going to be my uh road trip buddies go, heading out to lvo so um uh, yeah a lot of coordinating with those guys looking forward to it 12 hours in a car um i have not looked forward to uh in a long time this much so um shouting out uh phil lee um he uh 
was talking to me the other day, um, said some stuff like been having, I've been having a rough month. So, um, stuff that you, you reached out and talked to me about Phil, uh, really made my day. So thank you for that. Um, and then, uh, Ray Rostia, um, for including us, uh, in the content creator tab on that backer kit page. Um, and then not deleting us, um, <laughs> but not only did you include us, but then you didn't delete us, you know, like that's a twofer, like that, that's how you really stretch, stretch it out. <laughs> Thank you, Ray. Um, and not just for that, for everything you do. Um, but, uh, having yeah. the driest sense of humor ever. <laughs> <laughs> and Tommy. Well, Mr. Simon uh, Raven. Well, it's uh shout outs. From everybody else, they uh they can um so I have two guys on my list right now. I have one guy, uh Kyle. I saw Kyle today uh at a wrestling tournament. Um Deuce? Yeah, Stoos. What? And oh, uh, he got to get him back in with the smoke jaguars. I don't smoke jaguar up to these days. Uh, he was watching his boy wrestle too. So, okay. uh, I saw Kyle and I was like, huh? And he asked about the podcast, and I was like, yeah, I figured to give him a shout out. There and then, go. uh, I had another guy reach out to me, talk to me about a, um, uh, a, a application to allow me to listen to wrote uh, books that are in uh, write form in audio form. Um, but now uh, you can listen to all all books. Now James, I can listen to all books. James, James Campbell. Are you talking about James, James Campbell? James Campbell. There we go. Uh, he uh, talked to me. Leave it's something about dream something another. Ah, I'm going to ask. He he's going to. Th- he's like, I told you about it. I'm like, yeah, I'll probably. Yep. <laughs> so those two guys. I'd say any more, but you guys pretty much hit the rest of the BattleTech community on all your guys' shoutouts. So every last uh, one of them. Every last one of them. <laughs> uh, I'd like to thank uh, you guys for everything and um yeah the fans so that's mine there we go i got the rest good luck matt um i do have to thank kevin witt for some inspiration um that uh, he'll be doing some new uh, paint schemes so definitely go with golden kashik um and thanks for challenging me on another scheme I'm going to do with some bears. And to Brute, Mario, thanks for giving me the beginning of my LVO list. It's a uh, beautifully painted uh, Minsk. So I'm trying to um, mirror that scheme with, uh, oh, man, a whole bunch of others. So um, just in the latest touch-ups, do details and things like that. Thank you for... Um, the inspiration and talking about inspiration um, like we've talked about in this podcast 
ladies and gentlemen, there are paths put down in front of us uh, daily, and it is ideal for us to maintain our our moral compasses and do the right thing and think outside the box and continue furthering the community. Um, everyone around us is doing a great job. So keep up the good work and we really appreciate you listening. So with that, you can reach us on WNRP. I have one more. I have one more. You reminded me. I'm sorry. You, you reminded me. Of course he does. <laughs> I, I do have to give a shout out to Kevin Witt as well. Um, he took some time out of his day a couple weeks ago to help me with a personal issue that um, I was thankful to be able to bounce some ideas off of. Um, I heard his name and I was like, oh, shit. Um, I really appreciated him taking the time you know, and say, hey, give me a call. So. Uh, Kevin, thank you very much for that. I I still want to take you up on your offer. I got to find some time and get it done. So, um, thank you. My bad. Hopefully, it's Sorry something that. super secret and cool like the Sevens <laughs> and the Dragoons. <clears throat> so, anyways, <laughs> you can reach us with comments, concerns, questions at WNRP at WolfStreetGoons.com, which our lovely tech person has been uh, doing that for years with YouTube, Discord, Patreon, Facebook, and Queensboro. And uh, we also want to thank um, White Fox for making sure that our logo fits in the crotch negative area of the the armor structure silhouette on the old style record sheets. (laughs) It's so cool. Or the the tech world. (laughs) I can't. I can't even blame White Fox because I'm pretty sure I like found that. So awesome. On the internet somewhere, I was like, "That you looks found, cool." I remember, I remember us building the logo, and that was yeah. never part of it. Nope, that was completely <laughs> unintentional. Four but we want to thank uh, who found that, who gave us the um, message. Uh, Craig Jacob? Baxter found that. Craig. Nope, Craig, Craig Baxter, Baxter found it. So thank you, <laughs> Craig Baxter, for illuminating the Illuminati of our crotch logo from the uh, hit point silhouette. <laughs> It is dead on. I mean, it from, is from the Crusader style silhouette. It is just <laughs> absolutely the exact same thing. I cannot fucking believe that. We but. we couldn't make this up if we tried. God damn. So yeah. Uh, so anyways, Wolfnet, for a new Wolfnet, logo. Wolfnet Whitey <laughs> Tidies coming soon to you. Brought to you by Craig Baxter. Derek's not selling that. Derek's not going to sell whitey tidies. Oh, come on. (laughs) So with that, have a great evening and a pleasant tomorrow. We should really try to harmonize that. Wolf. (laughs) How the hell do you harmonize that? (laughs) I I love the ending, though. Charles, you go low. I'll get the high. Matt, (laughs) let me hit the middle, okay? Give, We're us, gonna sound like a... Give us a bass, Charles. <laughs> Tommy had it. <laughs> he was he was like there for just like a second. We're, we're, like... we're, we're getting a crossover from Battletech podcast to yeah. barbershop quartet. Barbershop nice. uh, quintet. We're gonna, nice. gotta we're gonna quintet. start. We're going to start sounding like the lost communication signal on the TV. Oh, that's, that's good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> Your broadcast has ended. <laughs> <laughs>